gonna Recorded live. There is a nation in you. God, after 13 years of silence, you didn't come to talk to me about me? No. I came to talk to you about what's in you. The fight is always over what's in you. The enemy is not fighting you over where you are. He's fighting you over where you're going. (laughs) Fighting over what's next. Fighting over unborn potential. Fighting over things that haven't even come together yet. God said, I come to tell you about the generations of the nations that are going to come out of your body. You're talking to me about one child. I'm talking to you about nations. You're talking to me about next week's paycheck. I'm talking to you about 50 years down the road. You're talking to me about how to get through next month. I'm talking to you about what I'm working on for the next generation. I intended for you to have a struggle because there are some things I can produce in a struggle that I cannot produce in a good time. I intended for you to have to pray your way out because I needed you to have a certain fervency and a level of prayer and consecration. I intended for you to be born with opportunities that your parents couldn't imagine because what I'm working on is what's coming next and the timing is right for you to be where you are like you are right now. Oh God, help me share with them there are nations inside of you. God says to him, I'm going to make you a father at a time you don't even feel like a man. And I come to tell you that there are nations inside of you. Nations. Nations. Somebody say nations. There are nations inside of you. 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 There are books inside of you. There are businesses inside of you. There are companies inside of you. There are great-great-grandchildren inside of you. There are kings inside of you and princes inside of you and ideas and concepts. And that's why I kept you alive in spite of your craziness. It wasn't over you, but was over the nations that were inside of you. I kept you alive because of divine purpose and destiny. I sustained you through all of your foolishness. I stopped you from committing suicide. It wasn't that you were going to kill you. You were going to kill who's next. I have a plan for your life and a future for your life. And if you die here, you will miss the next generation. I sustain you because I need you to play a role in my plan that nobody else can play but you. I kept you alive. Oh my God. Slap your neighbor and tell him I am significant. I might not look significant. My finances might not be significant. My home may not be significant. My job may not be significant. But don't let any of those conditions move you. I am significant. I have a role to play that nobody else can play but me. I have a thing to do that nobody else can do but me. I am significant. That's why I survived. It was not that I was tough. 
It was not that I was right. It was not that I was strong. But every time the enemy had me surrounded, the Spirit of the Lord lifted up a standard eye. Somebody praise him for victory. I'm going to make you a father. I'm going to make you a life giver. I'm going to make you productive. I'm going to make you stable. I'm going to put things in you that life didn't give you. I'm going to make up for what you lack. I'm going to finish raising you. I'm going to mature you and bring you into fruition. For I am the Lord, Joe. God, and besides you, there is no other. I am God all by myself. I didn't come down here to talk to you about sheep and goats and tents and where you're going to live. I came to talk to you about generations. There's something inside of you that I'm going to use. Oh, my God, I feel the glory of the Lord in here. Shake your neighbor and tell them there's something inside of you God's going to use. That's why we have young people traveling from all over the country to come here to be a part of this conference because they're trying to figure out, Lord, show me the thing you have inside of me because I know that there's something inside of me that God wants to use. Abram, there's something inside of you that I am going to use. I will make you a father. Of many nations. I'm going to give you a seed. Even though your factory shut down. Your body is shut down. Your circumstances have closed. The conditions are adverse for what the prophecy details. That's how you're going to know it's me. Oh yeah. And the, and the Bible says that, 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 that when Abraham's seed which was really God's seed, hit Sarah's womb. It quickened it, brought it back to life again. Came down through 42 generations, wrapped itself up in the flesh of Mary. And when Jesus came out of Mary's womb, listen to what he said, I am the seed of Abraham. I'm what hit Sarah's womb. I'm what quickened it and brought it back to life again. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he. Oh, my God, I feel a resurrecting anointing in this place. Somebody's about to be resurrected. Somebody's body's about to be resurrected. Somebody's finances are about to be resurrected. Somebody's home life is about to be resurrected. When Sarah brought the baby to Abraham, she called him Isaac, which means the Lord has made me laugh. The Lord has made me laugh. Somebody in this room is about to start laughing. I mean laughing. I mean laughing. Because what God is going to do is going to be so ridiculous, it's going to make you laugh. At the craziest, most inopportune moment in your life, God is about to make you laugh. 
life again with the joy you never had before in your life. I'm not talking about a blessing you saw coming. I'm talking about a ridiculous blessing, a crazy blessing, a blessing you're scared to tell anybody about because they would laugh if they heard God is about to make you laugh. Yes, 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 yes. I thank God for that word. Please remember that what happens to you is not just about you. We serve a God who thinks generationally. So much of what you're going through right now is meant to bless those who are coming after you. God took Abraham through an amazing journey, but it was because of his seed that he was blessed. Submit yourselves to God's plan, knowing you will be called to make sacrifices, but keep keep on, keep right on serving him. Even when you don't fully understand, God is faithful, and he will fulfill every promise in your life. I would like to take a moment and just thank those that have partnered with me through Global Partner System. Because of you, I'm on the air right now. Why, why don't you connect with GPS? Because of your partnership, we are able to help transform lives around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Humanitarian outreaches of all types and descriptions. God has positioned you for such a time as this. If you are not yet a partner, go to tdjpartners.org to learn how you can be the difference in someone's life. It doesn't take much to participate. Take a look. Our goal and purpose in life under Christ is to love and to help one another. And that's the mission of GPS. Together, we can touch lives, helping the hurting, encouraging the hopeless, feeding the hungry, and so much more. Visit tdjpartners.org and find out how you can help impact the lives of generations to come. We are all one global family, touching the world with God's love. It is not enough that he called you. Hear it. But you got to do the coming. Discover how to answer it. To be able to enter into a dimension that you couldn't enter into otherwise. And experience the fullness of coming into your calling. I'm going to set you in the next dimension so that you can flow into your destiny rather than to sweat in your history. For your gift to the ministry of any size, you will receive Bishop Jake's crucial message coming into your calling on CD. He will call you to do something where you say, Lord, I can't do it without you. And when your gift is $70 or more, you will receive Coming Into Your Calling on CD and the extraordinary Six Message Destiny series on DVD. I'm not looking for a Jesus I can carry. I'm looking for a Jesus that can carry me. However, when your gift is $110 or more, we will add Bishop Jake's best-selling book, Destiny, and Crucial Study Guide. Coming Into Your Calling is greater than you can imagine. What if I could see the future? What if that old saying, you can be anything you want, wasn't just a saying? Dreaming is like spinach. Except it tastes better. It pushes us to believe the unimaginable. Dreams help us to solve complex problems, and it gives us space to build the extraordinary. Adventure is what we love, even if sometimes it's a bit scary. We like building, fixing, mixing, constructing, and saving things. Why, you ask? Because we're super-duper awesome kids! 
Would you encourage us to explore what you're doing is building us up? And listen, parents, that helps us to become really strong. All we need is someone to believe in us and a place to let kids dream big. Give your kids that place at Destiny World, powered by Mega Kids. June 28th through July 1st at the Dallas Convention Center. Register today at mega-fest.org. Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Down. Hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. You're watching the Hillsong channel. Welcome home. I'm Brian Houston. Let's go. All right, Lord, I want to use every gift you gave me. You are watching Fear. We have loads coming up in today's show. Welcome, everybody, from wherever you're watching. And today is our day. So we are talking about the heart. I was just with comparison. You don't want to miss a moment of this exclusive coverage. If men and women work together cooperatively, that's where God's image is best expressed. Everybody has stories of loss, but they can't stop us from moving forward. I want to encourage you to stand tall. Many times we get the question, you know, young people say, how do I find the right person? My answer is run for God. Okay. This is what do you think? He's the one who spoke and the universe came. The church is advancing. God's protection is on yeah! We've got you covered on the Hillsong Channel. unless we are, you know, doing the work that he's called us to do. And so we've got to get on the treadmill. We've got to get it going. And God's only happy if I'm on this and I'm doing this. And if I'm working here, I've got to speed up the tempo to please God or else he won't give me favor. And my favor only comes when I'm working, when I'm going at a tempo that he's happy with. And God says, step off the treadmill. Because we think that we're going to miss God's approval on our life. God is happy when you rest, when you take time to disconnect, to just enjoy the journey. Hi, I'm Paul. Almost 10 years ago, my dad, my hero, my pastor, passed away unexpectedly. He built a big church and left some pretty large shoes to fill. When he died, I didn't just lose my dad. I lost my faith. I lost my purpose and my future. But God showed up and restored my faith, and He gave me a message of hope to share with you. You're here on purpose. God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are right in front of you, and you have victory in your life because Jesus lives in you. Life has a tempo. Purpose has a tempo. Purpose has a pace. Come on, somebody. God wants you to move with a groove. 
a rhythm for your season, a rhythm for your life. Get in your tempo. Get out of strife. Come on, somebody. I'm freestyle rapping up here. You know, before I was a pastor, I was a rapper. And um, I realized I didn't have too much of a career in that. But, you know, the thing I think about when I used to rap and do music was there was a beat, a tempo that set the pace for the song, that set the pace for the rap, that kind of helped set you up a groove to get into. And I remember there was a time when I was in a band and our drummer was figuring out how to set a tempo, and there was a season where he was very busy on his drums and, and, and uh, learning how to mature. In fact, it takes more maturity to be less of a busy drummer and more of a steady drummer. And so let me just show you the difference of a busy drum beat. This is what a busy drum beat sounds like. If the entire song sounded like that, can you imagine if for like 30 minutes it was just and there was no breathing room, there was no rest, there was no steadiness, there was no margin. See, let me just show you what a steady beat sounds like. Give us a steady beat. Come on, that's a good beat right there. Groove with me. Yeah. All right, we got to stop because we could get into that beat for the whole time. But here's the point. Life has a tempo. Your purpose has a tempo. Your season has a pace. And I love that Jesus shows us how to live at a tempo that's going to glorify God. In fact, the title of the message today is The Jesus Tempo. The Jesus Tempo. He sets an example of how to work, how to rest how to live your life free from the rushed, hurried mindset, free from the addiction to being busy. We as a society are addicted to working. We are addicted to being busy. We are addicted to constantly being on the phone, checking emails, checking tweets, checking text messages, and we've learned how to now do it under the table with just one finger, and you're so good at living busy that you, you've got this almost aim for perfection, but you don't want people to see that you're aiming for perfection, and so you're perfect at looking like everything's perfect, but on the inside, you're exhausted. And you've got to hide it, because if somebody sees that you're exhausted, they might think that you're failing, and exhaustion is a sign of failure, and so you're afraid to show it. And Jesus invites all those that are exhausted and tired and weary from trying to live at a tempo that's out of sync with His grace. I don't know about you, but sometimes my life feels like a perpetual treadmill. <laughs> and I feel like I'm... Con it's like a roller coaster. Like, I'm constantly trying to, you know, figure out the pace. And it's not working. But the main thing is, you look at this. And, and you're always on a treadmill. You're constantly trying to stay up with the Joneses, keep up with the people around you at work who are always working and don't have boundaries and don't know how to take time off. And so you feel like you can't get off the treadmill. Anyone ever been there before where you just feel like you got to stay on the treadmill? You got to keep working. You got to keep. And Jesus says, hold on, come here. There's a better pace for your life. And Jesus shows us even just the tempo of resting, taking time to just pull away. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says that the crowds were coming to Jesus. 
And, and Jesus had just healed a leper, and he had told the leper, don't tell anyone that I just healed you. And the leper tells everybody. And so all the crowds come to Jesus, and they're looking for him. We need you, Jesus. We need you to heal us. And the pressures and the demands are growing. Success is building. Jesus had just stepped on the scene for 30 years. He was silent with his life. Now all of a sudden, ministry's growing, and he's doing ministry, and success is growing. And watch what happens when the crowds show up. Verse 16. Yet Jesus would often withdraw into the wilderness and pray. Right when all the pressures were growing, right when all the opportunities were showing up and knocking at his door, it says that Jesus withdrew himself often. Not just one time, but often he would withdraw into the wilderness and pray. Jesus understood the tempo. The tempo. God himself has a tempo. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in the first day, and the second day, and the third day, and fourth, fifth, sixth day. And on the seventh day, God rested. God showed us a, a week, a tempo for our life. Six days of working and enjoying the work, and the seventh day, no work. Just rest. Just time to enjoy what He had created. My question for you today is, are you enjoying your life. Are you taking time to stop and rest and soak in what God's doing in you and around you and for you and through you? Are you powering down so you can power up? You know, Ashley and I, we have this happen to us often where our cell phones are like dying in the morning time after we charge them through the night and then we go out and they're already dying after two or three hours. And so at lunch, we'll literally bring our cell phone and a cord with us. And we will plug it into the wall if the restaurant has an outlet near the table. And as soon as you plug it in, and, and we'll start trying to use it as it's being charged. And, and, and what's funny is oftentimes when I'm using the phone as it's being charged, the battery keeps going down and dies on me while it's plugged in. It's like the phone is screaming at me, let me rest, let me rest, don't use me right now, let me, re let me rebuild some battery time. And I think a lot of us in this room, that's the same thing with our bodies, with our lives, that we need rest. One of the most spiritual things you can do is rest. One of the most theological things that you can get is rest. Jesus promises healing. He promises us salvation. He promises us the, the Holy Spirit. And did you know He promises you and I rest? It's one of the most overlooked, underutilized things in the body of Christ. We think if we rest, somehow we're either missing out on an opportunity God wants us to have or we're letting God down because we're not working hard enough. But God is just as pleased when you're working as He is when you're resting. He wants you to live at a tempo, a pace, so you can finish your race, so you can finish all the days that He's laid out for you and for me. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you exhausted? Come to me. Did you know Christians can get burned out too? We can get burned out. Ministry is work just like business is work. It's not, sometimes I think we get mixed up thinking that one thing is secular and one thing is sacred. It's, it's not what you do that makes your work secular or sacred. It's why you do it. Someone could be doing ministry but just doing it for a paycheck, and that's secular. Someone else could be doing business but doing it because they want to glorify God with the gift that he's put inside them, and that's sacred. 
But it's why you do it. And it's so easy to get burned out when you're not resting, when you're not taking pauses and having margin and breathing room in your life to just enjoy the journey. And Jesus says, if you're burned out, if you're exhausted trying to do all of this on your own, if you're exhausted trying to look perfect, He says, come to me. In other words, let me be your source. Whatever you go to when you're most tired, that's the thing that you find is your source. TV, pleasure, entertainment, those things are good, but those things aren't your source for rest. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Come on, somebody. He says this. He says, walk with me. In other words, there's a tempo. Walk with me. Work with me. He's not saying you're free from work. He's just saying, let me show you a new way to work. Let me show you a new way to work. He says, watch my tempo. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He says this. He says, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly in charge of the Sabbath. Two things to set your tempo. Number one, honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a word that God instituted in the Old Testament. It actually means a day of rest. Sabbath comes from the God tempo in creation where God worked for six days and then took a day of rest. Sabbath was something he gave to the Israelites after they came out of Egypt to rest. In fact, he also gave them another word called Shemitah. Anyone ever heard of Shemitah before? It's actually every seven years in the agricultural cycle to rest. In fact, he said the Sabbath was made for your benefit. It was made so that you and I could enjoy it. It's not about a certain day. It's about what you do with that day. It's about resting on that day, honoring God. You, by being at church, you are honoring the Sabbath. But it's not just about going to church. It's also about honoring and enjoying the gift that God has given you, the gift of family, the gift of community, the gift of relationships. Jesus had a tempo where he wasn't constantly healing people, wasn't constantly doing work. He was also living on the lake with his disciples and enjoying rest. He was investing in relationships with others and he was hanging out with his family and then he would pull away and pray and rest and he gives us a tempo to live our life. And maybe you're listening to this today and you're saying, Paul, the Jesus tempo, it sounds good, but I work like three jobs a week. I'm a single parent. I've got three kids. I can't even use the bathroom without leaving the door open to make sure my kids aren't destroying something in the house. How am I supposed to live the Jesus tempo? And here's the point of the message today. All of us go through seasons where maybe it's more difficult to rest. All of us do. No one is different than another person in here. But the thing is, is look for the pockets, the moments, the minutes where you can just Breathe in and breathe out the grace of God, the rest of God. So two ways to set your tempo. One, honor the Sabbath. Two, live in the pace of grace. Live in the pace of grace. There is a pace that is graceful. It it involves you living with a healthy mindset of resting and enjoying the thing that you do, enjoying the time and the people you're with. There is a a quote I want to give to you from a guy named Rabbi... uh, Elijah of Vilna, he said this, God stopped to show us that what we create 
becomes meaningful to us only once we stop creating it and start to think about why we did so. The implication is clear. We could let the world wind us up and set us to marching like mechanical dolls that go and go until they fall over because they don't have a mechanism that allows them to pause. But that would make us less than human. We have to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. They found Jesus and they said, everybody's been trying to get a hold of you, Jesus. Everybody's been texting and emailing and calling and tweeting you and you haven't answered. And I love what Jesus responds to. He says, let's go. He doesn't even answer where he's been or why they couldn't get a hold of him. He says, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there because this is why I've come. In fact, Jesus, oh, this is so good. Jesus discovered his why while he got away to rest. Have you ever felt like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, define how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Get your free copy today as our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at pauldoherty.org. Well, I think there's three reasons why we don't live in a tempo of grace, live in a tempo that allows us to rest. Number one, constantly answering to Pharaoh. See, in the Old Testament, they were constantly answering to Pharaoh. Everywhere they went, they had to answer to Pharaoh. There was, and this was during the time when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and they were working to put the brick and the mortar up, and they were constantly on the treadmill, constantly trying to keep the pace up, and constantly trying to please Pharaoh. They couldn't go anywhere where they didn't answer to Pharaoh. And today, we don't have a Pharaoh, we have a phone. And we're constantly answering to the phone. The phone has become a god in our country. The phone, because you can take work with you anywhere, now you take it everywhere. And so you take work with you on vacation, and you take work with you on Labor Day, and you take work with you on the free days, and you're constantly checking it. And if it's not work, it's social media, it's Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram, and Snapchat, and Periscope, and LinkedIn, and everything else now that allows us to stay connected. But see, here's what Jesus did in Mark chapter 1. There's a story of what Jesus did here, verse 35, while it was still night, way before the dawn, Jesus got up and went to a secluded spot. He went to a sacred space to pray. I want you to think about that for a moment. Are there any more sacred places in your life? Is there any more sacred spots, sacred spaces that you haven't tweeted about, Instagrammed about, Facebooked about, that you don't bring your phone to, that you don't bring your laptop to, that you don't bring your work to, that you actually go there just to be still and know that He is God? Is there any space left in your life where it's just you and God? When Jesus was the most pressured, He would disconnect. It was like Jesus was secure enough in His own 
secure enough in who he was and who he belonged to, that he was a son of God, that he knew, I can pull away and trust that the crowds will still be there when I come back. I can pull away as a businessman and trust that the business will still be there when I come back. If you feel like you can't leave the business because it's going to fall apart without you, you can't leave the cell phone because the world's going to stop if you don't have your cell phone next to you, something's got to change. Your tempo's got to change. I'm trying to set you free this year. If you'll just get into the Jesus tempo, I'm telling you, it will give you more sleep, more wisdom. David said it like this in Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, teach us to number our days so that we may live in the wisdom of God. If you knew how short your life was, you wouldn't spend all your time on the phone. If you knew how short your life was, you wouldn't be in the office all day. You'd start thinking about my grandma and I were eating lunch this last week, and while we were eating lunch, I had put my phone three feet away from me because I didn't want to answer it while I was hanging out with Grand Grand, but I turned it right side up so that way if it buzzed, I would see the brightness of the screen and know that someone was trying to get a hold of me. And so I had it over there and I could see it buzzing. I was looking at it, but I was like, no, I'm going to be present with my grandma. And you know what? I learned a great lesson. For one, anytime you're with Grand Grand, it's a great time. But she said this to me. She said, Paul, and we, she didn't even know I was going to preach on this sermon. She said, Paul, I think our culture needs to understand the difference between urgent and important. Not everything that's urgent is important. There's always going to be urgent things that are grabbing for your attention, vying for your time, demanding pressure, pressure, pressure. You've got to answer this now. You've got to do this now. But is it really important in light of eternity? Is it really important? Can it wait? So that you can look your spouse in the eyes and have an unrushed conversation. So that you can look your child in the eyes and enjoy your life. So that you can get outside and go for a jog and pray without your cell phone next to you. Jesus was able to disconnect. And watch what happens in Mark 1, verse 36. When he pulls away and has this time with God in the wilderness, people came looking for him. You ever feel like people are looking for you when you don't have your phone on you? You're like, I know somebody's trying to get a hold of me right now. And it says that when they came looking for him, verse 37, they found Jesus and they said, everybody's been trying to get a hold of you, Jesus. Everybody's been texting and emailing and calling and tweeting you and you haven't answered. And I love what Jesus responds to. He says, let's go. He doesn't even answer where he's been or why they couldn't get a hold of him. He says, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there because this is why I've come. In fact, Jesus, oh, this is so good. Jesus discovered his why while he got away to rest. You're going to get inspiration for the purpose of which you are here on this earth when you disconnect from your phone. Divine direction comes from digital disconnection. Come on, somebody. Only when you digitally disconnect do you actually receive divine connection, divine re revelation, divine uh, uh, direction for your life. You've got to pull away from all the demands and connections and say, God, speak to me. So you do that through your Sabbath. The second reason why I think a lot of people uh, don't take time to rest and don't take time to Sabbath or live in the pace of grace is because they have a misunderstanding of God. We think that God's not happy unless we're on the treadmill. We think God's not happy unless we are, you know, doing the work that He's called us to do. And so we've got to get on the treadmill. We've got to get it going. And God's only happy if I'm on this and I'm doing this. And if I'm working here, I've got to speed up the tempo to please God or else He won't give me favor. And my favor only comes when I'm working, when I'm going at a tempo that He's happy with. And God says, step off the treadmill. 
because we think that we're going to miss God's approval on our life if we take a rest. And you know what? God instituted rest. I think there's been a misunderstanding of God and, and life. God is happy when you rest, when you take time to pace your life, to disconnect, to just enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride. Today, teenagers are losing sleep, losing REM, rapid eye movement, because they're conditioned to constantly be listening to the phone. And I think sometimes we're listening to the phone because sometimes we think our importance and our value comes from how many people are texting us, how many notifications we're getting through social media. If we're getting more and more likes, then we're more and more pleased in God's eyes. We're more and more valuable and important in people's minds. And, and it's sad because we're losing sleep from that. And we need to be able to just trust that God loves us even when we sleep, even when we rest. Even You didn't come in this morning convicted for the naps that you took this week. You came in this morning thankful because you live a busy life. We live busy lives. And I, I think God wants us to pull away. In fact, Jesus told to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, Mary has discovered the one thing that's necessary. Martha, you're in this, this mode where you feel like you've got to work to earn my approval. Work. And he's not saying that good works are bad. Good works are great. But not at the expense of never having a rest. Not at the expense of you thinking that unless you're doing good works, you're not pleasing God. God enjoys it when His children enjoy His creation. The third thing, and probably the most important thing, the underlying issue behind all of the reasons why we don't rest, I think it's because we have a misplaced identity. We feel like our identity and self-worth is connected to our work. If I work more and perform better, people will like me more. My approval ratings will go up. More people that clap for me. The more clients that I have, the more valuable that I am. And we think somehow that our worth is connected to our, our performance. Our identity is connected to our work. If I look perfect and I do things perfect and I'm able to do it in a way where people don't even know that I had, know that I actually worked to make it happen, that I'm valuable and important. And Jesus says, hold on. There's a better tempo. There's a better rhythm for your marriage. There's a better rhythm for your family. There's a better rhythm for your life. We've allowed our job to take the place of God in our life. We feel like we can't walk away from something. We feel like we can't take a break from it because if we do, I'm so needed. I'm so necessary, Paul. People got to get a hold of me. People had to get a hold of Jesus too, and he stepped away. If the Savior of the world is able to step away from his work, I think you can step away from your work. It's time to get off the treadmill of performing to try and win God's love. It's time to start trusting that God loves you on your worst day and on your best day. That God is for you, whether you deserve it or not. You can't earn God's love. You can't perform well enough and work 70, 80, 90 hours a week thinking that that's somehow going to get God's attention. God loves you every single day of the year. And you know, I want to encourage you. We do have our jobs. We do work, and work is important. And we need to make sure that we're doing the best job we can. But at the same time, God enjoys it when we take that day of rest. When you choose to take a Sabbath, just like God took a Sabbath at the start of creation and encouraged all the Israelites to do the same. I want to encourage you to have a day of rest in your life. 
a, a moment each week where you just pause and thank God for His goodness and you just enjoy His creation. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. It's just a prayer to say, Lord, I want you to take over my tempo. Just say this with me right now. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. Thank you for dying for me, loving me even when I was still a sinner. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your rest. And I receive your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we've got a brand new mini book just for you to help you in living out these best days that God has for your life. And the mini book is called Born for More. And it's a little book that I wrote, and it's just an encouragement of scriptures and stories on how to live out the best life that God has for you right now, how to live out the more that God has laid out for your life. So if you want that, you can go to our website, pauldoherty.org. You can order that today or call the number at the bottom of your screen. We would love to get that into your hands. We love you. We're praying for you. We appreciate those that support this ministry. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, your best days are right in front of you. Have you ever felt like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, define how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Get your free copy today as our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at pauldoherty.org. of thinking walled off in your mind that are keeping you from the life that God wants you to live. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. What I want you to do is I want you to take your life, I want you to lay it down before God, and I want you to trust Him to pick it up. For God to pick your life up, you have to lay your life down. But we hang on to things and we try and lay down things and we wonder why God is not working. The moment we make ourselves selfless before Him, He gets the chance to pick us up and make something of us. Imagine a way that you could partner with Hillsong and be resourced for your life journey. Well, the Hillsong Channel is such a blessing to us and the opportunity to take television around the world. I would love you to become part of a subscription where we will send you a team box. In other words, every month you will get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of our team and will help us to take this great message forward. This conference is about the Church of Jesus Christ rising in its stature and the harvest. What if you started to dream that you really believe that God has gone before you? How would church look? We can win our city. We can change the world. We can touch this nation. 
challenges for us is not to just keep depending on what's proven and what's tried and what's established. We have to keep believing God to stretch us and to keep stepping into the untried, the unproven, the unknown. May nation be impacted eternally because, Father, we heard from you here. I'm gonna leave my problems all behind. 
telling everybody to come back to church. Just knock on the door. Check it out.
Okay. Anybody on the line? Anybody on the line? Yes, 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 Father. We praise thy name. 
We glorify you. Let your word go forth. Let your anointing come forth, Lord. Let the Spirit of God enter in.
I speak prosperity. I speak doors being opened today. Today. I speak turnaround. Mm. I speak strength. The ability to stand and to stand there for. In spite of all the enemy's trying to do. Ooh, shout out up on Busque Dead. All that the enemy's trying to do. You will continue to press. You will continue to move. You will continue to rise up and be used by God. You will not bow down. You will not quit. You will not turn your gosh. Mm, mm-hmm. You will not turn your back on that which God has done for you in your life. Even when you are at a point in your walk where you don't see, you don't understand. And at times, even get to the point that you might not trust. Your spirit will rise up and carry you across the finish line. Your spirit will rise up and take over and say, hey, I got this. I got this. I got this. And you will submit to the leadership of your spirit as your spirit submits to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. For God has created in you. Oh, boy, we're about to go somewhere. Here we go. Here we go. Mm. God has created in you a warrior. A warrior, one who will not submit to whatever the enemy or the world is trying to throw at them, but will say, no, you must turn and go the opposite way. You can't even come into my camp. For God gave me the power and the authority to defy you, and I choose to stand, to seek, and to trust my God. Mm, 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 mm. You must turn and go the opposite way because I deem it so. See, that's the power that God has given you that you're walking in as of now. No longer the meek, the timid. No longer the I don't know. No, no, that is no longer allowed. That is no longer allowed. You must become the champion that God has ordained you to be. You must become the warrior. You must become the victor and not the victim. For God has sacrificed too much for you to walk in an element of defeat. God has given up too much for you to walk around here talking about what you don't have and what they did to you. That is not how God made you. That is not how God created you to be. He called you to be the head and not the tail. So why are you walking around here sniveling, cowering, getting beat up by life? Time is over for that, people. It's time to rise up to to take back that which the enemy stole from you. Time is over for that, people. God says, no, I have given too much, and I have put too much in you. Now I'm demanding. I'm demanding. 
I'm requiring a return on my investment. Mm-mm. Uh-oh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm demanding a return on my investment for that which I have deposited in you and have given it time to grow and mature. I say now I'm coming back to pick harder to get the harvest. God's rhetoric should have requiring a return on his investment. That's what any smart businessman or banker does. He's demanding a return on those talents, those giftings that he's placed inside of you. What have you been doing with it? You've been burying it? Have you been putting it out there in the marketplace? You've been out there sowing seed? You've been out there being diligent, being obedient? If that's the case, when he sees you, he will say, yes, you've been good, my faithful servant. But if you've been sitting back, saying, well, I was, but then this happened, and I wasn't ready yet, and then I was waiting for you to come back. I was waiting for you to show me what to do. Come on now. Oh, Jesus. I hope you don't even let those things come out your lip. I was waiting for you to show me what to do. No. We talked about that yesterday. That's passivity. That's inertia. That's an excuse. Because if you were truly waiting on God to show you whether you'd be out there doing something and having him critique it, you wouldn't be sitting back twiddling your thumbs going, well, you know, I'll just wait till he comes here. You know, I'll just wait till he shows. Oh, I'll just stand here in the garden and just say how things grow. I'm a rhyme. I'm a poet. Did you know it? Father God, move today as you deem to be moved, touch, move, anoint, create, whatever you want to do, Lord. Just be God. We submit to you, Father. We submit to all that you desire to be done. Help us to become the men and women of God that you've created us to be, Father. Not to be held back. But to move forward, Lord. As you you establish you establish and position those things that you want to be positioned in the manner you wish them to be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Is that Nessie Ness? Yes, I was listening. What's up, Nessie Ness? What you doing with your talents, girl? <laughs> Putting them out there. All righty. Putting them out there and trusting God. Faith without works is dead, so I'm putting them out there. Okay, now I can't sit back and wait on that body to do something. I got to get up and do it myself. Absolutely. Trust Absolutely. him to bring about a harvest. That's what I trust. And trust that wherever he send me, he will equip me. You know, wherever he's sending me there, he obviously going to equip me. It's my job to nurture the blessing. All right, now. Yeah. All right, now. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, yesterday I was plugged into, uh, I'm at my desk, so I'm kind of quiet. Yesterday I was plugged into my uh, gospel music. Um, I've been doing that a lot more because it inspires me and helps me to get past everything that's going on around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was listening to a song, and uh, there was one lyric. Uh, the song was good, but there was one lyric that stood out as one of the um, Hill song folks. Okay. And I, I really like them. And the lyric was, break my heart from what breaks yours. Mm. And I thought that was so deep, you know, because it's like whatever's in my heart that's not pleasing you and that's breaking your heart, free me from it. Help me to get free from it, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is Yep. Deep. Yep. Wow. Because a lot of times what's going on with us, it is a heart issue. Well, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Right back Amen. when we talked last night. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. So I am putting my talents out there and, uh, you know, being honest with the Lord about uh, the fear is subsiding because I have been honest with the Lord about being fearful, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm putting it out there. Hmm, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know what, when you said that, it triggered something. And, I mean, I guess kind of like what I talk about all the time, facing our giants. You're not trying to bury your head in the sand like no. This is not it. You're not trying to even label it to say that it's something else. Say, you know what? I'm I, I'm scared, but Lord help me in this area, in this arena. Yep. And see, that's that's growth. That's that's yep. growth. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Because to be to be very honest with you, you know, we all look at people who have achieved this, that, and the other. But if you ever get an honest time to talk with them. They'll tell you just because they, 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 they're looking at it, dealing with something doesn't mean that they're not scared, they're not apprehensive, it's just that they choose to fight. Mm-hmm. And if you truly get an understanding of adrenaline, what you are labeling as scared is really that adrenaline pushing and growing up inside of you, gearing you for the fight. So that nervousness that you feel in your stomach is yep. really your adrenal gland giving you more adrenaline so you can fight and do with that what you need to do. Absolutely. Right, girl. You keep you keep growing up now. You gonna be yeah. you gonna be something difficult. Mm-hmm. Ain't gonna be no push around now, right? <laughs> you know, you know when you get sick and tired of being mediocre, it's amazing what you can do. You mean you just ain't gonna settle for whatever somebody tell you? <laughs> I sh- I'm sure not, and I'm not gonna settle for whatever the devil's trying to tell me. Uh oh. Uh oh. So that's what I had to recognize. And I'm still fighting my way through it and um, trusting God. I, I see him showing up. I see him, you know, I just see. I see blessings are coming, and I'm focusing on what's good in my life, and that's hard some days, but I found that when I'm not around a bunch of people that complain all the time, mm-hmm. that helps, you know. So now you done got me started again because you said something else. When I see God blessing me, mm-hmm. it's like, you know what, I'm going to keep fighting because it's not like 
Yeah, we get tired, frustrated, angry, and all that other stuff. But then when you see God upholding his end of the bargain, it's like, what you going to do? Exactly. 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 And the key to that is when something else comes about, because that's what's happening with me. I'm being blessed, and then something else will come about. I have to still focus on that blessing and say, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. We're going to deal with that too, Lord, but thank you for the blessing. And that is hard, but I just, I see, I see him, I see him in my life, and I see him, I know he's behind the scenes, you know, doing things, and I just have to keep believing that, you know. Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I'm going to get off my cell phone and start my day of work. All right, woman. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, I guess we can start on the list. Anybody else got anything? Cat, what are you doing? You tearing up stuff. You know better than that. No, you don't, because you're going to do it anyway. I'm a cat. That's what I'm supposed to do. My furniture. I'm going to throw you in there with Tristan. You can run away with him. <laughs> All right, let me go get the list so I can do the list. Family, Rhonda go fishy to go fishy to go fishy. Rhonda go fishy to go fishy to go fishy to go fishy to go saraga. Rhonda go fishy to go fishy to go saraga. Sakara. The Tolan family. Rhonda go fishy to go fishy to go fishy to go fishy to go saraga. 
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile. Because of your grace, 
Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that's within me. Because, listen, he's been too good. And it's not through any goodness of mine. It's not through any goodness of yours. But those twins called grace and mercy. Stingray music, all good vibes. Oh God, once again, we come into your presence with expectancy in our hearts. God, we know you're going to bless us. So we lift our hands in the sanctuary and we give you glory and honor and praise. Come on, come on. We lift our hands.
download the free Stingray Music mobile app. Yeah. 
every day, Chief.
I want to go deeper in you. 
Okay, Bobby, who's gonna go say she to go say she to go say she to go say she to go say okay, Sakura. Jamal Bridges, you're not gonna run to go say she 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 to go Sakura. Kia Shaw, run to go to the gander to go to the gander to go to the gander to go to Sakura. Tim White, who's gonna go and run to go say she to go say she to go say she to go Sakura. Sakura. The Pitt family, who's gonna go say she to go say she to go say she to go Sakura. And that, run to go to the gander to go to the gander to go Sakura. Egan Lavinia, run to go to the gun to the gun to the Gasaraga, Sakara. William and Anna Phillips, you cross, she goes, she goes, she goes, she goes, Sakara. Stephanie, run to go to the gun to the gun to the Gasaraga, Sakara. The Reddick family, run to go to the gun to the Gasaraga, Sakara. Eugene Rogers, Garasa, Shake, and everybody else on the list. Rumble goes, she 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 goes, Sakara. Morgan Farley, you're not going to the gun to the gun to the Gasaraga, Sakara. Courtney Collin Brandon, run to go to the Gandhi to go to the Gasaraga, Sakara. Nick Brandon, Holly Samantha, run to go see she to see she to see she to Gasaraga, Sakara. Marissa DeMars, Maya, Rombuske, Shandran de Gosa, Horomboko, Sende de Gose, Sakara. Charles Griggs, Yadagoske de Gose, Shirogasa, Sakara. Benny Free, Romorska de Gose, Shirogose, Shiraga, Sakara. Brandon's children, Yadda de Gandhi to Gandhi to Gandhi to Gosa, Sakara. Ebony Pearson, Goshka to go Sushi to go Sushi to Sushi to Saraga, Sakra. Arthur Shore, Yoroga to go to go Sushi to Sakra. Joshua Fowler, Yoroga to go to go to go Sakra. Nobody else on the list, Yoroga to go Sushi to Sushi to Saraga, Sakra. Rosen Hospital in the community, Yoroga to go to Sushi to Sakra. Wajinel, Rondago to go to go to the Gasa, Sakra. My parents, Grondago to go to go to Saraga, Sakra. City of Atlanta, Rumbo Kishi to go back and run to go Saga, Sakara. President Obama, run to go Sishi to go Sishi to go Sishi to go Saga, Sakara. Mastermind Group, Rushka to go Sishi to go Sishi to go Sishi to go Saga, Sakara. Street Tara, Thomas in the church, run to go to the gun to the Gasa, Sakara. Pamaskari, or run to go to the Gomboska, run to go Sada. Rondo Gosaga, Sakra. Tony Agnew, Rondo Gandigandi, Gondigandi, Gondigasa, Sakra. Lisa Brown, Rombrandi Gosishi, Gosishi, Gosaga, Sakra. New Legacy Academy, Rondo Gadagosa, Sakra. Felicia, Rondo Gosishi, 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 Gosaga, Sakra. Punch Jelly Janakanisha, Aiden Charles, Rondo Gadigandi, Gondigand Rosa, Sakra. Stillman College, Rondo Gosishi, Gosishi, Rondo Gosaga, Sakra. Erica's Church, Grande Goscara de Gosandaka, Horamba, Sakra. Erica's Business, Rondo Gosishi de Gosishi Gosaga, Sakra. Mark's Business, Rondo Gosandaka, Shiraga, Sakra. The Jenkins Fan, Rondo Gosishi de Gosishi Gosishi Gosaga, Sakra. Brandon Allen, Rondo Gosandaka, Sakra. 
The gentleman caller, Rondo Gosisha 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 Sakara. Lorenzo, Rondo Gosisha 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 Sakara. Lashan, Rondo Gosisha 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 Washington, Rondo Gorondo Gosisha Gosisha Sedaga Sakara Interesting. Hmm. Unless they know it. Rondo go to the gander, go to the gander, go to the gander, go to the gasa, sakra. Markel, Rondo go to the gander, go to the gosushi, the gosushi, the gosushi, the sakra. Angie, who's going to gosushi, the gosushi, the gosushi, the sakra. Donald Trump, Brenda Gosisha 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 Gosilaga Sakara. Belinda, Rondo go to the Gandhi Gandhi Gasaga Sakara. Brandon Allen, you're the Gosisha Gosisha Gosilaga Sakara. The Jingus Fan, Mark's Eric's Business, Belinda, Donald Trump, Angie, Markel, let's not stand watching, Bob Salt, Lashonda, Gentleman Caller. Eddie's Fan, Rondo Gosisha 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 Gosilaga. Rondo Gosisha 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 Gosilaga Sarasaga Sakara. Train area Rondo Gosisha 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 Gosilaga. Rondo Gosisha 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 Stephen and David Rondo Gosisha 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 Investors Rondo Gosisha 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 Gosilaga. Rondo Gosisha 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 Gosilaga Sakara. Tony Brookins, Rumbo Koska, Gombos Karandaka, Sakra. Girl Erica Church, Grunda Gondigandigandigandigandigandigosa, Sakra. Baba Williams, Runda Gosishi, 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 Gosilaga, Sakra. Malcolm Bryson, Runda Gondigandigandigandigandigandigosa, Sakra. Richard, Runda Gosishi, 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 Gosilaga, Sakra. Unsay family members, Runda Gondigandigandigandigandigandigandigandigandigandigandigosa, Sakra. Pastor Mark Rushko to get you to go 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 to Bell Hospice, 
Congregation churches, Randa Grande Gosishi Saragasaka. Prisoners of Mission of Randa Gosishi Gosishi Saragasaka. This hospice congregation, prison mission, abuse condition, Randa Grande Grande Gosarasaka. Unsaved abuse condition congregation, pressured ministries and the families, Randa Grande Gosishi Gosishi Saragasaka. Walking in the realm of the supernatural, run the good of 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 the good
Renewing our minds. 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 Renewing our Now you should be in the strength building against the talent stone, just increasing bases, run to go to the city, go to the city, go to the city, go to the city, go to the Good morning. Um, just real quick, has anybody heard from Pastor Mark? What'd you say? I was just asking, had anybody heard from him? Anybody heard from who? From Pastor Mark. Oh, uh, I haven't. And I know last time I asked Nate, which was probably about a month or so ago, he hadn't. You can oh. call him. Huh? You can call him. I don't have his number. Okay, we can get it for you. <laughs> You can call him and see how he is. All righty. I'll make sure I do that. Oh, let me see. No, no, no. You call him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I walked into that. All right. <laughs> and look, and you put that hour or two down a time when you get ready to call him because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Well, yeah, give me his number because I have, he's been, he's been on my mind. I'm like, I wonder how he, you know, because usually he'll pop on every once in a while and he'll, you know, or whatever, just say hi. He hadn't even done that. So I just wonder how he, how he was. Okay, I'll get his number. All right. I didn't have it, but I have it, so I'll get it. Not a problem, dude. All right. I'm going back on I feel like I just walked into that one, but okay. At this day and age, we all walking into a whole bunch of things. I ain't got nothing to say about none of it no more. Last night, yesterday, this morning, at this point in time, it's like, you know what, whatever. I I can't. Things, as Erica said, it is what it is. I hear you, Lord.
And you would be correct, Erica. You would be correct. And well, she must send a text. Yeah, she said you used me as the guinea pig. <laughs> I ain't done nothing. <laughs> I ain't the one that brought it up. But that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll go. No, 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 no. He in your spirit for a reason. So, no, you brought him up. You're going to face that giant. I said I got it. Just give me the number. All right, I thought you were trying to back down for a minute. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm not trying to back down or nothing. My phone on charge. I was going to send out a text now, but I I, I got you, girl. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going back home, you. <laughs> Running high now. Matter of fact, when I send out the text messages, I'll send Nate a text so we can get his number. Good morning, everyone. Honey, Lacey Brown. <laughs> Felicia. Felicia, yes, Mom. You coming yes, to the conference, right? Huh? That you coming to the conference, right? I didn't say that You said what you say, Felicia? I couldn't hear you over the background. What you say? I said I didn't say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, shoot, I'm gonna let you rake her. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not gonna rake her. She's grown woman. I'm just asking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I'm just. Well, if you don't rake her, you said I, you said what? If you don't rake her, I'm gonna rake her. Well, you have to do that because I've already asked more than twice. So. I'm not going to. That's not you. You are a pastor. You wake up. Oh, oh, oh. See, you want to do that? Okay. Okay. I got I'm getting, you. I'm getting ready for my birthday pancake. So you, you got to do that job. I need. Mm-mm. Oh, that's I right. Just, it's her birthday today. She, she the double digits, all right? She's 75. I mean, 77. Here we go. See, with this nonsense right here. Yeah. I was just kinda hope I was just kinda hoping that you would come and bring um bring Micaiah and uh I mean Makia and your co- and your sister with you. Uh 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 ha uh, ha okay, so now since she was saying nicely and you're still stumbling, fumbling, bumbling. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and bring it home, dear. Oh, commitments, we're going to talk about advancement, and we talked about inertia and passivity the other day. So now, dear, because of, of your walk, because I know who you are in the sense of, you know, delaying procrastination, and you have an opportunity to be fed at this level of associates that you are involved with, and it will not only affect you and your family, how dare you choose not to come, how dare you choose not to make an, a point to get there because you need to learn how to run instead of walking at a slow pace because it's not only for me who have been telling you. Oh, 
choosing to let life push me around rather than what did you tell me earlier that is no longer about you the decisions you make it's about you and everybody that affects so now I got an opportunity not only to partake to be fed but also to sow seeds and release that which God has inside of me so I can go up to the next level because again it ain't about me and it's about my family and those that are around me because I make those decisions I think you need to rethink your decision from a passive note too I need to walk forward in advance note so now Again, I'm going to let her ask you that question. Are you coming to that conference? But I want you to chew on that first, okay? Now, I'm going to send that text message out, and I'm going to let the music play. She don't like me. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not even about liking her. It's, it's really not. There's, there's some things that I'm, no. It's, I'm going to. Uh-huh, got you. Uh-huh. You ain't got to say nothing. Be nice to say, I love you, Felicia. on his way. Oh, that's you with all that noise in the background. Uh-uh, because it was perfectly quiet. Wait a minute. Okay, so I got a text from Erica. It says, well, Felicia, it begins. It said, well, Felicia, it begins. And then it's got the last face, and then it says, just say, Lord. <laughs> she said, just say, Lord. I hear you. I hear you, Lord. Mm-hmm. I love you, Felicia. <laughs> That's what Erica said. I love you, Felicia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand how it's even a question, given everything that's going on. I don't, with all of us, I really don't understand that. But, if, you know, maybe there are some things that I just don't know. So. You know, got to be something that I just don't, you know, there's always, sometimes there's a 20% that you don't understand, but I know that I'm planning this conference about these conferences with, on my birthday with $3.27 in my bank account about to get put out of my house by the end of next week if I don't come up with a certain amount of money. So, and I'm still planning conferences. I'm still running a summer program. I'm still in charge of other people's kids. I'm still teaching. I got my niece with me, so I'm. I still got. It's all this stuff going on, and my my very shelter is at stake. So, I, I already said 
revelation, decision, follow through. We don't have more because we have bought into the devil's whisper in our ear that some things are a choice. But that's where vision comes in instead of sight. Some things are a choice. That's why you have to. That's what vision, there's a difference between sight and vision. Let me tell you something. I had a dream last night. Sam, I told you about the vision and sight stuff, and I think I was talking to Shonda, too. I had a dream. I want you all to hear me right now. Eric, I know you're on the line, too. I had a dream last night because he's been talking to me a lot about vision versus sight. And in that dream, he allowed me to be standing Outside, so there was a there's an operating room, you know, like a regular OR, and there was a man. Maya, come on. There was a man who was physically having some type of eye surgery, and his eye, like they had some type of whatever apparatus and held his eye open. And while they were doing the surgery, there was a big screen. With his eye, you could see the doctor going in and, um, you know, poking around with the whatever, like the little pointy thing and cutting and doing this and doing that. And you could actually see it happening in real time. And I was just standing there like, no, I was so grossed out. I'm like, what is this? Open the door. I'm like, what is this nonsense? Like, God, you know I'm squeamish. What? And so after this guy has the surgery, all the doctors are there and they're scrubbing out and stuff, this doctor comes up to me and says, now you have vision. In the dream, I said, what? He said, now you have vision. I said, said, huh? He said, before you have sight, now you have vision. Now you can see. And I just said, oh, my God. So what I'm saying is, this is the season. This is the season that he wants us to have vision and not just sight. Because those of us who only have sight, we're going to be short. Because you've got to have vision. you got to be able to see far beyond what the natural and the naked eye is going to put before you. That's the only way that we'll be able to make it out of this because that's the only way that you can really see what God has for you and the only way you'll be able to see when the enemy is trying to trip you up. You cannot look at this thing from a natural eye, man. And so that's why Felicia with this conference, you see how he still got you wavering? You see how he still got you wavering? You know what this is because you know how we get down. So you know this is not, this ain't no joke. It's, it's not playing. It's not playing. But that's that isolation that we were talking about. That's isolation. Your sisters are planning a conference to liberate women. Why would you not be there? Why would it not be come hell or high water, no matter what I have to do, I'm going to be there and not only am I 
going to be there, but I'm going to bring my people with me so that we can all be liberated together. We're not some strangers that you don't know. Like, they might be crazy. I don't know what these people might be saying. You know what's up. So that's, I think that's what confuses me. I already told you if the ride is an issue, we'll make that happen because you are our sister. Good morning, fellas. Because you are our sister. So we're going to make sure you get where you need to get, however it has to go, because that's what family does. But we all need to. We all need to do. We got to do this. This is This is no joke. There's no longer options. The options are out. That's all I'm saying. This is serious business. This is no joke. The joke the joke went a long time ago. And not that anybody thinks this is funny, but I'm just saying this is serious business, man. And I don't know what else has to happen for us to see how serious this business is. Uh, are you still, still taking uh, sponsorships or uh, donations on the uh, for the conference? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I can't wait. Is this Mr. Andre? Yeah. Okay, I thought. See, I recognize your voice now. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, all I need to do, you would just have to um, send me your email, and I can send you a, a PayPal invoice. And that's how we keep track. So yes, absolutely. Uh, so is there some sort of way that I could like get my um my business name out there? Yes, we do. We have actually. Let me tell you this: the the website is being revamped right now, um, as we speak, and businesses are going to go on um, up there. And then also, if you want to send me. We have a thing, like a swag bag thing, where um, by which individuals, because of course, you know, it's a women's conference, so we um, wouldn't have men in attendance, but if you want to send me your information, like any cards, any whatever you would want me to put in the gift bag for all the women for both conferences, if you want to just send them to me in the mail, I'll make sure that they get in there. I will also put your information on the website as well. And if there's any business that you have, I'll put it on my personal Facebook page. I'll put it all out there. All right. So um, you, know, you want to just take my email now? or? Yes. Uh-huh. Right. I can do it right now. Let me pull my pencil out. I'm ready. Or, or Sam, you have it. You have my email, right? Samuel. Okay, he must be doing something. Cause I, cause I can have him. Either way, I can write it down now, or I can have him send it to me in a text so that I have it. But either way. All right, well, if you're ready, I can give it to you now. I'm ready right in the moment. Okay, so it's U-R-B-A-N-D-O-C-1-6 at yahoo.com. So it's really urbandoc16 at yahoo.com, U-R-B-A-N-D-O-C-1-6 
one six. Oh, okay. Urban uh, Doc. You said one oh six. No, sixteen. Urban Doc sixteen. Oh, at Yahoo. Yes. Okay, Urban. Okay, Urban. I you know I got to repeat stuff a thousand times. Doctor teaching me. Urban Doc sixteen at Yahoo. Okay. I'll get yep. that to you within the next 10 minutes because that's just how I operate. Okay. I do stuff right away. Um, okay. But, yeah, that would be awesome. And, yes, if whatever it is that you would want me to put out there, like in the bags or out to the public, on my Facebook page, we have an event page, you know, um, you and I could even talk, you know, on an individual level, and you can okay. let me know exactly what you want me to do because I don't want to mess up anybody's stuff. You know, I want your message to be what your message is. Okay. Correctly. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Thank you very much. I'm going on mute. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, all righty then. Mm-hmm. And that, and I may as well, sorry, so I know this is not a um, the Jerry Lewis telethon on your prayer call. Sorry. But anyone on the line, because I don't know who might be here, anyone on the line who, um, any ladies who wish to attend. Renee, are you here? Renee, you're not here yet? Okay. I'll talk to her about it. Um, Anyone who may be within the sound of my voice who wishes to sponsor a ticket, you absolutely may do so. Tickets are 35 who did that? Tickets are $35, and um, I can send you a PayPal invoice. And what we would do is we match you with a student, a young lady, or whoever who may not have the resources to be able to come but who needs to be there, and that's how we do it. So then I will contact them because I have a list, and I'll let them know that they've been sponsored. And the ticket gets them the ticket gets them a gift bag lunch so they get to eat and you know the conference and they get to hear the dynamic Erica King break it down. Amen. Break it down, break it down. Oh I saw uh-huh. break it yeah. down. Get down. You gotta bring it back up too. Remember while you're breaking it down, you gotta be able to bring it back up, bro. Hey, 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 leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, because you know we, you know we don't do all that. We just set pretty, so you know we, we don't we don't injure ourselves. We just walk around and you know we just stroll and mirror, stroll and mirror. But see, see, we built for the ruggedness, so it's not a problem handle it because we built for that. Yeah, I'm talking about being built for it today, not in 1986. <laughs> you know what? Anybody, y'all ready for the... <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, anybody else got anything for... Yeah. I like that's Renee. Is that Renee? Uh, good morning. What was that? 
Yeah, Lisa was looking for you. Oh, okay. Renee, you coming to the conference? Mm-hmm. Quiet. Uh, when, is, when is the conference? Uh, it's July 29th, honey. Uh, I got a wedding to go to on that day. Uh, oh, man. Okay. I got a wedding to go to and an alumni picnic to go to. Oh, wow. Okay, so you got stuff going on. That's all right. Well, but what are you, you know, doing? You wanna, it's the it's the conference that we do every year. We did it last year, the Woman Discover Thyself Conference, and Erica uh-huh. and myself. You don't know the other young lady who's going to be a speaker, but Erica and myself are going to be featured speakers for the conference. Oh, okay. So if you feel so moved, um, if you would go but you just can't, um, if you'd like to sponsor a ticket for a young lady to go, a student who um, cannot afford to go, but who wants to go, we are definitely, um, you know, asking that people do that if they are able. Okay. Because there's a lot of young folks, young ladies that we're trying to get, uh-huh. that, you know, that want to go. But, you know, young people, sometimes they can if they're in school or, you know, whatever. They don't have the money. But, you know, so we always ask for the village to sponsor our young ladies because they need it desperately. Right. You know, so let me know, um, you know, if you want me to send you an invoice and then we have a list and we just match you up and then we'll let you know who your who your person is that you sponsor. Okay. That sounds good. Amen. So, Amen. Um, you still got my number? No, I'm needy because I think I had my phone switched over since last time I got your number. And all my numbers didn't transfer over. Mm-hmm. All righty. You got an email right quick? Sorry, Sam, I mean, I hijacked your call. You got an email? Yeah. Because um, I know you're a businesswoman, so I know you got an email. Uh, yeah, I got one. All right. What's your, what's your email, honey? Okay, it's R T O L E N O three. Now it's the O three, the letter O or zero three. Zero three. Okay. At gmail dot com. Okay, I'll have you an invoice out within the next ten or fifteen minutes when I send uh, Doctor Andres out and. Uh, Everything will be good. Amen. In Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm going to hijack your stuff for this uh, conference, but, you know, we're getting close. The deadline is is a few days away, and uh, me and Pam got a lot of work to do. So thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to do this during your call, sir. No problem. Hey, it's a it's, it's a my invoice. Don't worry about Huh? I it's a possible. Commercial. Uplifting, um, uplifting others. Is she singing? <laughs> huh? I said, is your daughter singing? Your granddaughter singing? All right, well, let's get ready for the reading. I might have something to say, but we'll find out in a hot second. Rumble 
suspicion done that are going to roast get it a combo get it a gun run it I guess I do have something to say run the the cold they did it a combo get it a gun rush get it a gun dish get it a combo grand it goes a dish get it a combo cash at a combo city hmm how did I go say did that it a combo sir and run it a go say you're a go say decay thank you Holy Spirit you're a go for being a god you're a go sir shandy little conde Ha Sharakada. This is the very interesting thing and even though Lisa says she hijacked the uh, call, but in light of what I'm about to say, no she didn't. Um in my prayer this morning, God said that at this point in time he's coming back and he's expecting a return on his investment. What is his investment? All this seed that has been sown in you through this line. Is that backed up scripturally? Yes, it is. You can go to the scriptures regarding the steward, the good steward. So now, as I was driving Morgan to her job, which she got by the grace of God, and thank you, my cousin, for helping to get it. Uh, she asked me a question. She's studying um, black history now. She's in school, and she's studying black history. And they were talking about the Atlantic slave trade. I don't remember the exact name of it or whatever. And she was pointed out a passage in there that the slaves, they, they don't talk about in normal history about how a lot of the slave ships sank, how a lot of the slave ships were hijacked, how a lot of the the um, Africans just jumped overboard because they believed in reincarnation and they believed that they could go back to the motherland rather than going to wherever they were going. So as we were having that discussion, I said, well, child, this is true. I said, now let's go back to the book of Destiny of a Black Civilization. And paraphrasing in that book, bottom line, I began to explain to her both from a historical and a spiritual perspective. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean it in this manner. From a historical perspective, she's getting information that that's not the average person knows about how blacks were, you know, how they would, how they were um, wanted to go believe in reincarnation, how they took over ships, how they fought against that which was going on, which most people don't know to the fullness of, and how in different countries, that's how we got sprinkled throughout as they stopped in different avenues along the way. I said, but from a spiritual perspective, this is what happened. And going back into book of the destiny of the black civilization, it talked about how our spiritual nature, what God put inside of us, God needed for these last days because we have, we're a very spiritual people as far as a culture is concerned. Now let's get let's get scriptural. We all come from Jim ha- Shem Ham and Japheth. Then you can go to I believe it's the Genesis the tenth chapter where it talks about all the different nations. So everybody, we all mix people. Don't I don't know. Well, that's again that's the world. See that's why you have to have a world understanding, but also a spiritual understanding. But the spiritual always needs to be take precedent over the natural. Now what am I trying to say? Because of the nature that God had put inside of us because of a people, he needed that nature for these last days because as we have proven throughout time, we have been able to endure in spite of. 
So basically, God was preserving the people. What was he doing? He was literally getting us out of paganism. He was getting us out of things so we would have an opportunity for the one true God so he could use us as the last days. That's from a spiritual perspective because over there, they're still, they're still worshiping idols to a large degree and a lot of things that black people, as far as Africa are concerned, but as far as God is concerned, that's not what he went. What I mean? Yes, in our black culture, we got all these masks and all these different things. That's really Satanism and demonicism. That's basically what it is. So you bring that stuff in your house, you bring the spirits in your house. Just simply put, God rescued us because he had a need of us. So in his process of rescuing us, so allowing us to get salvation as a people, not as a person, but as a people, as a nation, as a people, he brought us over to here where eventually we will begin to introduce to salvation. Now, what am I getting at? That's a mixture of history and spiritual understanding. Where did that come from? It came from all the stuff that we're learning on this line. You're not going to see, you can learn all the history you can. And it has a very good thing. You can learn all the business stuff you can as far as the world is concerned. And it has a very good practical application. And it's a very good thing. It's a needed thing. And that's what happens in the world. But then in a lot of churches, you can or, or, or places of an institution or where they teach you, um, teach you biblical knowledge, you can learn a lot about God and historical aspects of God. But I want to be real. Where are you going to get a mixture of the two? Not only a mixture of the two, but with a practical application. Because, see, that's what comes from this line. Because, see, what we're doing, we're learning it from both perspectives. What are we on the medical call doing? We're learning medical stuff, but, again, also spiritual stuff. What are we doing on the mastermind? We're learning business principles, but also spiritual principles. Again, as I said before everything needs to emanate from God, not to be set aside from God. So where am I going with what I said first? That God has a requirement on us. I was thinking, with the since this line has started, the way that it started, how much I've changed. If you continue on this line, I'm sure those who've been there from the beginning, they have changed. You continue on this line, you're going to change. Because we're doing something that the body of Christ needs, but the church, quote-unquote, as far as the buildings, aren't doing. We're sowing, we're applying. See, that's the deal. You can go to church all you want, but until you really begin to apply that which you hear, it's a good history lesson or it sounds good. It might even make you feel good. But when you come here and you hear all the us as we apply what we're learning and as we and as we're struggling with it and it's still and it's really scriptural because see in the church they don't talk to you break it down about how they were feeling most of the time they they don't talk about how they didn't want to do it but they did it they didn't talk about the struggle we get into that in depth because in all actuality we're struggling with it while we're applying Erica's on her job crying when dealing with this stuff. Fannie Marie, her situation, Lisa Husco. These are people who are actually applying what they're learning. That's the difference between this line and the average church building. So now what do I mean by that getting back to what God said that he has a requirement? It's, gonna be, it's too much in you. 
Felicia, it's too much in you. God says you got to use it. I'm taking it away. Simple put. If we are not in the next few years, some of the leaders of society, I said it just like that. You're missing the boat. Why do I say leaders? Is it because we're trying to promote ourselves? No. Because, see, we are combining that which is needed, spirit and the world. Now, what do I mean by that? Understand me when I'm saying that. I'm not trying to say we're combining spirit and world. No. I'm talking about the knowledge. Yeah, the world got knowledge. They got understanding. And that's how they advance. That's how they prosper. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they do it again, and they try to separate it from God. No. What was David? David was a priest and a king. That's politics and religion, people. Come on. The thing about we need to understand is, bottom line, it has a spiritual origin and spiritual basis and spiritual lead. That's where the world was separate because when it comes down to me coveting a dollar, me taking care of a neighbor, the world going to say, well, you know, neighbor, you should have got it on your own. That is not of God. When it comes to somebody, I got $3 in my pocket, but here I'm stepping out to do something, which in all honesty, she ain't still, she's doing it, but she's struggling with it. She's still like, well, Lord, really, why am I doing this? But she's letting her spirit lead and she's following. People would think she's crazy because why are you doing something that she still ain't 100% in agreement with? That doesn't make sense. But see, they don't understand God at that level. So I'm challenging you to step out on what God's putting inside of you. And that ain't even me challenging you. I'm, well, no, I'm challenging you. You know why? Because God's expecting a return. So I tell you again, it's better that I challenge you to step out on what's inside of you before God shows up and say, okay, what have you done with what I've given you? Oh, because he's coming with a return saying, look, you've been on this line sucking this up. You've been learning this and another. Now, how does that happen? He lets life has its way. And said, now nah, you need to stand on what's inside of you. Like I laughed at Wayne. He's over there installing plumbing with a flashlight. I said, Lord, if that man ain't. I said, you started looking more and more like me every day. Because you're doing what needs to. You're doing whatever you got to do to make it work. That passivity. That inertia. Well, things ain't quite right. You know what? Things ain't never going to be quite right. You think Jesus had everything quite right? No. He forced God's will upon this world because he chose to stand. You think it was easy? If you think it was easy, look at him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But you want to bow out because your situation is a little bit hard at the moment? He did it without sin, and Lord knows I can't even approach it because my mouth gets away from me sometimes. Because I'm like, you got to be out your shadadaka But he did it without sinning. So how dare you let your situation tell you what you cannot do? That I don't have this. How dare you not step out after all that he sacrificed and after all that's available to you through this line? Don't even begin to say you don't have the resources. You can't find a way. I'm not even going to talk about my situation because I shake my head at my own situations. That's why I don't say nothing because if you choose to bow down and say what I can't do, that's fine. 
outside of this line, I got three 90-year-olds and this 18-year-old. I'm not going to force you, but I'm going to let you know that's you quitting. I'm going to let you know that's you not standing. I'm going to let you know that's some beshkadadakadaka that you're looking at. Don't think that is really an excuse because it's not. So, again, I'm going to close on this and get to the reading. I challenge you to step out on what God has put inside of you, and I suggest that you move accordingly because he's coming expecting a return. And if he comes back and when you go through the test and that return is not what he's giving, he takes that which he's giving he it away. And now it's ready for the reading. Okay. Okay. Can I interject a little something in there for a minute, Sam? Go ahead, now. Okay, so for us being on this um, call every morning, it's also more and more making us accountable. Mm-hmm. For applying this to our life. Also, when we um, sit back, when we await patiently right. on the Holy Spirit, to come talk to us, and also for us to tune in to get our direction with our flesh cells, we tend to look at what other people do. And mm-hmm. they may not be in the instructions for what he wants us to do or how us to um, get in motion the purpose of what he made us for. Mm. And that's times is a, that that that's one of the top ten big distractions because all right, well, I want you to do it like this, but then you're looking at somebody else and how they're succeeding, but they're succeeding because they're doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And it may not be for you to do it that same manner. Amen. But with um, but with the flesh, we get so caught up in the image. But then, too, even when we try to do it the way somebody else done it, and it's not the same as what we're supposed to do, well, it's hard. Well, um, this isn't working for me. Well, it, it, it wasn't your size to do. Right. <laughs> what supposed to. And that's what, you know, say, like, if a woman went in to go see, go buy a dress or a pair of shoes, okay. Now you have you have an idea what you want to go in and do, but you see it's a size bigger and it's a size smaller. Okay, so technically it's nothing really there for you, but chances are if we like the image of it so well, we'll say the smaller size we're gonna make it work or the bigger size we're gonna make it work. And out of the bigger size, it may not fall right on us. And then with the bigger shoes, you may get um, you may get some calluses, and then the little things at the back of your heel. Mm-hmm. Or, but you don't get some, but you don't feel uncomfortable. But when you get the things that's right for you and for what you're working with. You don't have to do some breaking in, but it ain't going to be as bad as what you're trying to force something that you had a choice not to try to force. So 
like I told you, Sam, for what you've gone through with um, your parents and with the gentleman that stays there in your house, mm-hmm. okay, I have come through that too. Now, for what you're going through, you're treating it probably differently than what I had to treat mine. But then you got to look at the variables too because you have four different individuals there that you have to deal with. Okay, and then the four that I had to deal with, they had different personalities than the four that you had to deal with. So how am I going to treat my situation the same way that you treat yours? So, you know, it's almost like um, it's pretty much like an algebra project. You got your things that you're working with, but then you got to understand how to work them. And then God wants you to learn to learn the lesson, but then your um, solution is really your testimony. Time is criticism. Can't say nothing but amen. Okay. I'm going to mute. All right. Okay. This is exactly what has happened to many who have experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They do not understand that such an experience necessarily initiates them into a closer relationship with the spirit world and exposes them to the influence of both the Holy Spirit and and the evil spirit. While they experience a baptism of the Spirit, while they are experiencing a baptism in the Spirit, they consider all supernatural experiences to be baptism in the Holy Spirit. Truly, they have been baptized in the Spirit, but the searching question is, in what spirit have they been baptized, in the Holy One or the Evil One? Both of these may be viewed as baptized in the Spirit not recognizing that the Holy Spirit requires their spirit's cooperation and that he never does violence to their personality, many saints allow their inner man to descend into passivity and permit some outside force to burn, twist, overthrow them. They, in the word, have been baptized in the evil spirit. I need to read that again. Mm. Truly they have been baptized in the spirit, but the searching question is, in what spirit have they been baptized? in the Holy One or in the Evil One. Both of these may be viewed as baptized in the Spirit, not recognizing that the Holy Spirit requires their spirit's cooperation and that he never does violence to their personality. Many saints allow the inner man to descend into passivity and to prevent some outside first force to burn, twist, overthrow them. They, in the word, have been baptized in the Evil Spirit. Some Christians generally have been baptized in the Holy Spirit Yet, being unable to distinguish between spirit and soul, they are deceived afterwards. Because of their special experience, they maintain that now that the Holy Spirit is in full control and they should not take any active step but remain completely passive. And so, their inner man is submerged in total inertia. Satan begins to feed them many excessive pleasant sensations and numerous visions, dreams, and supernatural experiences too. They receive them all as from the Holy Spirit, not realizing that their inert spirit, like a magnet, 
draws in these counterfeit experiences. Mm, mm, mm. Had they known how to distinguish the sensational and the supernatural from the spiritual, these believers would have examined these experiences. Now, however, because of a lack of discernment combined with a passive spirit, they settled deeper and deeper into the enemy's deception. Mm. How about I read that again? Some Christians generally have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, yet being unable to distinguish between spirit and soul, they are deceived afterwards. Because of their special experience, they maintain that now the Holy Spirit is in full control, they should not take any active step, but remain completely passive. And so, the inner man is submerged in total inertia. Satan begins to feed them many excessive, pleasant sensations and numerous visions, dreams, and supernatural experiences, too. They receive them all as from the Holy Spirit, not realizing that their, their inert spirit, like a magnet, draws in these counterfeit experiences. Had they known how to distinguish the sensational and the supernatural from the spiritual, these believers would have examined those experiences. Now, however, because of a lack of discernment combined with a passive spirit that settled deeper and deeper into the enemy's deception. As the believer's spirit grows incessantly quiescent, his conscience, of course, follows suit. Once his conscience is rendered passive, he next expects to be led directly by the Holy Spirit, either by voice or by scripture verse. He concludes that he no longer will lead him by his conscience or by decisions emanating from his intuition. Instead, he will be led in the highest way. The Holy Spirit, he now assumes, will speak either directly to him or indirectly through some Bible verse. By ceasing to employ his conscience and by letting it drop into an inaction, the saint is deceived into mighty Satan in his daily walk. The Holy Spirit, however, true to his own working principle, will always refrain from taking over man's conscience and using it for him. Satan alone will seize the occasion to replace the guidance of the believer's conscience and intuition with supernatural voices and other devices. As conscience grows more passive and the evil spirit supplies his guidance, some Christians begin to lower their moral standard, thinking they henceforth live according to a higher life principle and therefore treat immoral matters as not quite so immoral anymore. They also cease to make any progress in life or work. Ooh, wow. Instead of exercising the intuitive power to detect the thought of the Holy Spirit or engaging their conscience to discern right and wrong, they simply follow the supernatural voice which comes from the outside and reduces them to robots. These Christians mistake the supernatural voice for the voice of God. They disregard their reasoning, their conscience, and other people's advice. They turn out to be the most stubborn individuals in the world. They refuse to listen to anyone. <clears throat> they picture themselves as obeying a higher law of life than the rest of the spiritual conference. Conferries, whatever that word is. How they fit perfectly into the description of apostles whose consciences are seared. 1 Timothy 4 and 2. Their consciences are void of conviction. <clears throat> Hence, to sum up, in our spiritual warfare, we must ever and anon preserve our inner man in an active state, wholly yielded to the Holy Spirit, yet not in passive submission. Otherwise, we should be deceived by the enemy. Even should the adversary not assault us, we still shall retreat into the shut-in position if our spirit is not operative in our stretch. 
for the enemy would have the chance anyway to seal off all outlets for our spirit to work, to serve, and to war. It will suffer as though it's suppressed. Our inner man must accordingly be active and outgoing. It must resist Satan constantly, or else it will be attacked from all sides. Another very important principle to learn in spiritual warfare is that we must attack Satan incessantly. This is to prevent ourselves from being attacked. When a believer has crossed into the domain of the spiritual, he ought daily ought to maintain a compact attitude in the spirit, praying therewith for the overthrow of all the works of Satan done through the evil powers. If not, he should discover his spirit should fall from the heavens, grow very weak and feeble, gradually lose his senses, and finally become scarcely detectable. This is all because the believer's inner man has collapsed into such a passive condition that it has ceased to launch out an attack. Hence, ground is surrendered to the enemy from which to assail, surrounded, shut in his spirit. But if the Christian daily lets out his spirit and continually resists the foe, he will keep his spirit mobilized, and with each passing day it shall wax stronger and stronger. A Christian must be delivered from every misconception with respect to spiritual life. He often surmises before he enters the spiritual sphere that if only he could be as a spiritual as his brother, how happy he would be. He visualizes the spiritual odyssey as a most happy affair, and so he contemplates spending his days in perfect joy. Little does he know that the opposite is the truth. The spiritual path does not yield any enjoyment to the person himself. It is instead a life of daily fighting. To remove warfare from a spiritual life is to render it unspiritual. Life in the spirit is a suffering way, filled with watching and laboring, burdened by weariness and trial, punctuated by heartbreak and conflict. It is a life utterly outpoured entirely for the kingdom of God and lived in complete disregard for one's personal happiness. When a Christian is carnal, he lives toward himself and for his own spiritual enjoyment. Of little real value is he in God's hand. Only as he dies to sin and to his personal life should he be able to be used by God. A spiritual life is one's spiritual usefulness because it is lived to mount assault upon assault against God's spiritual enemy. We ought to be zealous for God, relentlessly attacking the enemy, and never allowing this most useful spirit of ours to sink into passivity. Woo! Cave in! Alrighty then. Mm. All right. Well, here we go. This is exactly what has happened to many who have experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They do not understand that such an experience necessarily initiates them into a closer relationship with the spirit world and exposes them to an influence of both the Holy Spirit and the evil spirit. While they experience a baptism in the spirit, they consider all supernatural experiences to be baptism in the Holy Spirit. Truly, they have been baptized in the Spirit. But the searching question is, in what spirit have they been baptized? In the Holy One or the Evil One? Both of these may be viewed as baptized in the Spirit, not recognizing that the Holy Spirit requires their Spirit's cooperation and that He never does violence to their personality. Many saints allow their inner man to descend the enemy to descend into passivity and to permit some outside force to burn, twist, overthrow them. Then the word had been baptized in the evil spirit. So, what he's saying is that when we get to the next level, after we, you know, after we, once we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
are you being baptized in the Holy Spirit or is the evil spirit coming upon you and baptizing them in that? The difference, again, the Holy Spirit will cooperate with you. He will never force them where Satan always forces. Satan always pushes. Satan always kicks. God, I'm going to say God guides because he, and in all honesty, he does gently guide. It just doesn't feel gentle at times. I mean, in the sense that, you know, your options is like, really? You know, you feel like you, you're going through. For example, um, somebody's got a, a, a opportunity. Oh, because <laughs> somebody actually got almost caught up in a scheme the other day. But that's a perfect example. You know, um, I forgot the name of those things where they, where you you caught outside with these people and they got this money, but you got to take this opportunity now. And, and but man, I, you know what? I'm a, if you don't take it now, it's gonna be gone because I gotta move. Man, I got this ten thousand dollars. I just need you to hold, but you gotta go get me a check or you gotta go get me cash. You know, but I gotta do it now. That's Satan. Because it's a push to move now. You got to do it. God's like, look, this is your best option. You need to choose me, but I'm going to allow you to make that choice. Now, there's a time frame involved. There's a, there's a time frame. We don't really know the time frame. But it's not one of a hammer, hammer. No, no, no. That's not God. And, again, understanding the Holy Spirit is who he is. He knows where you're at. See, God's aim is to take you deep into the things of the Spirit, but he truly knows what you're ready for and what you're not. And he grows you up in that. We were talking last night, and I forget specifically, but, but about some aspect of healing. And even in, on the natural, when a doctor sees something, they say, well, we got to build you up for the surgery. Your body's not strong enough. Or we're going to have to do this surgery in portions because you're not strong enough. It's the same way in the spiritual regarding the Holy Spirit. So that's why he's the great physician. He'll he'll build. That's why I say he'll, you might, see, that's why you can't be judgmental about, well, you see something in somebody's life and they're not dealing with. Well, first of all, you need to be dealing with your own life. But sometimes you see issues. And a lot of times we see issues in other people's life because we see them in our own. So, you you know, you can't force them to look and see what you understand because you're not them. They're not at the same level. But God understands that he'll have them dealing with something else first or dealing with that. Then get back around to the issue that you saw. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So, yes, he wants and desires to take you deeper into spiritual things, but he's not going to force you. Whereas God, I mean, for as far as Satan is concerned, he will. And the other aspect is, too, don't be overly concerned in the sense that, oh, I can't get baptized in the spirit now. I can't because, see, I'm going to let the evil spirit in. Again, talk to God. God wants you there, and he'll cover you. He knows when you're ready. He'll grow you up. That's his job. He's your mentor. Let him do his job. Some Christians genuinely have baptized in the Holy Spirit, yet being unable to distinguish between spirit and soul, they are deceived afterwards. Okay, right there. Being unable to distinguish between spirit and soul. So I'm going back again to the process of what we have to go through. Salvation first, filled with the spirit. 
uh, filled with spirit, going through the wilderness, coming out of the wilderness, being filled with the power of God. Uh, but also forgot you got to learn discerning the voices. I'm actually need to write all this stuff down because it's, it's it's really makes perfect sense. What's down? Hello. I mean, go ahead. But but that goes right back to the actual very first two three sentences that you were reading, where it was basically saying, if you're going to be used of the spirit or the evil one. When people first get saved, that's why it's essential for them to have a mentor and and, and be sitting under someone because everything that basically sounds good and they jump on board and they do it, and they don't know if it is of the spirit or of a different spirit, but they basically do it. And then when they're doing it and they've seen the works and the manifestations of such, then they take that on to its Christendom and sometimes... It is the total opposite, but it gives you an exemplar. Um, it exemplifies that you're bearing fruit by doing which the adversary is telling you to do versus what the spirit is telling you to do. Mm-hmm. 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 So what you're saying, and and even what you're writing down, and even even as you dive more into it, is you need to basically have. Because the Bible says, be careful of the fact of how we get um, caught up in diverse temptations. Mm. We are saved. We do what the Holy Ghost says, and and we are led when it comes to the place of we hear what the people are telling us to do in our leaders. But when we are basically away, that's why it's it, that's why it's very. Um, I tell people all the time, and, and they they thought they thought I was crazy, but. I would tell them all the time, well, when you start to worry and consider yourself and start to study witchcraft, when you start to study this, when you start to study that, that's a diverse temptation. And and, and though it is you're trying to study to pray against, that's that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not who you are. Yes, I get the fact that you you have to understand what is coming against you, but you already know what's coming against you. It's the adversary. So why do I have to study white magic, black magic, green magic, or whatever to figure out how to pray against it? When we start to do those things, those things uh, allow and avail our spirit open to basically to try to comprehend and understand and see it from their perspective. And we don't need to see it from their perspective. We need to see it from the spiritual realm of whom we believe and who we are, not from the perspective of how they're basically making potions and we're going to pray and bind. Because, I mean, again, we talk about the churches who are binding and loosening and, 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 and decreeing and declaring, and, and I'm like, you know what, y'all about the stupidest bunch of folks that I've ever seen. Because... Y'all are just doing things that sound ooky spooky to to basically get the awe of the people and the people are still broken because y'all not binding and loosing nothing. The truth of the matter is if we have to be led by the spirit and I do understand that there are practical things that we can do in the spiritual realm as well as in the natural realm to bind and loose, but some of the stuff that's going on is is it's just foolery. And, and, and you know, now that you bring that point up, 
a lot of times when we're binding and losing, this is a guy. What 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 what's again? What's this, what's the source emanating from? A lot of times when we're binding and loosening is because we're going after something, some material thing. We're covering something, and that in itself. You know, I mean, understand me when I'm saying this. Yes, you need your bills paid. You need cars, homes, and all this other stuff. But I'm gonna bind it so I can get my house in the name of Jesus. Okay, you know what? See, that's what people don't miss. They're so caught up in materialism, so caught up in the things of the world that they don't understand the provision of God. So, again, that, that's just another key source that people can look at to determine where this originating from. Still there, Mark? Yeah, I was just on mute. Yeah, oh. but that's the thing, Sam, is that they're not we 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 think that it's good for them to get saved and receive the Holy Ghost, but then we don't understand that it's up to us to give them a teacher and be a preacher and a pastor to them because um I well, I can't use that as an example, but I'll use I'll use the, the African statues as an example. Traditionally, we would have these statues in our house because to to us, it represents our African culture, who we are, and 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 what we are, um, what we technically represent as black people. But we're not taught the fact of the spiritual value of, oh, what spirit were they channeling and and, and basically praying to as they're carving the spirits of these different masks for the gods that they worship? And one of my most favorite shows that they no longer um, play anymore. It was called Warehouse 13. It was a sci-fi show that talked about ancient artifacts, and and it had real artifacts about different times of history and the spirits that they contained, and it was like a spiritual warehouse where they had them contained in certain things so they would not react. Sam, you're talking about a Holy Ghost good time when I'm in that watching that show just going in. Because I understand the spiritual principles of the fact of why it is that a spiritual place like that needs to house some of those negative things because of the fact that it can be damaged to the world because of why it was created and tried to manifest itself on earth for but we're not taught those things. We're not taught to understand the history behind Hitler's Ruger and what that Ruger represented. Um, we're not taught the fact that all these artifacts that have been even here in America that were locked up have been robbed and stolen and nobody knows where they are. And they say that it's from from the Knights Templars, and things of that nature. 
and they talk about the different groups of people who have basically stole these artifacts and what they would do with these artifacts and how they pray to different gods with these artifacts because it is um, their their key um, their key treasures that bind and, and that 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 keep America bound and and keep the people doing this and keep doing that and and people think it's a joke but it's real. Hello? Okay. Uh, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? I think some Christians June have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, yet being unable to distinguish between spirit and soul, they are deceived afterwards. Because of their special experience, they maintain that now the Holy Spirit is in full control. They should not take any active step, but remain completely passive. And so the inner man is submerged in total inertia. Satan begins to feed them many excessive pleasant sensations and numerous visions, dreams, and supernatural experiences, too. They receive them all as from the Holy Spirit, not realizing that their inert spirit, like a magnet, draws in these counterfeit experiences. Had they known how to distinguish the sensational and the supernatural from the spiritual, these believers would have examined their experiences. Now, however, because of a lack of discernment combined with a passive spirit, they settle deeper and deeper into the enemy's deception. So as I read in it, I was thinking about how the Lord tells us to exercise our spirit. If you're exercising your spirit, then that's building your spirit up, and then you'll be able to grow to the point that you'll be able to discern. Because like Mark was saying, initially you you don't really know what's good or bad. You're just you're just you're a babe. So you the, the ultimate mentor is the Holy Spirit, but He'll also send you mentors and people to guide and direct you along the way. As the believer's spirit grows incessantly, quiescent. His conscience of force follows suit. Once his conscience is rendered passive, he next expects to be led directly by the Holy Spirit, either by voice or by scripture verse. Okay, so now our spirit has gotten to the point that it is, it's, you know, it's inert. So spirit, he expects to be led directly by the Holy Spirit, either by voice or scripture. His spirit has gotten to the point that it's inert. It's not doing anything, so now it's easily, easily read, you know, easily led by the script, easily led by the evil spirit because you're not working, you're not exercising it. So it's like, remember, we're spiritual beings, okay? So we're gonna we're gonna gravitate towards the spirit arena one way or the other. So he says, once his conscience is rendered passive. He next expects to be led directly by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does he mean? Once his conscience is rendered passive. He's talking about their spiritual makeup right now. He's talking about your intuition, your conscience, and your um, 
communion. Those are the three aspects of your spirit. So your intuition is that knower inside of you when you when you're hearing God's voice and you need, but your conscience is like that moral guide. That moral guide. So he's saying once your conscience is rendered passive, oh, okay, whatever. That's good. Kind of think of it like in, in the sixties with the with the with the um with the uh, the, the hippies. Everything is a go. So now, because you're constantly the whole the evil spirit can just lead you in any direction he wants you to go. So he next expects to be led directly by the Holy Spirit, either by voice or by scripture verse. He concludes that he no longer will lead him by his conscience or decisions emanating from his intuition. Instead, he will be led in the highest way. So now, what he's doing, he's breaking down the spiritual nature and how that spiritual nature works. Remember, communion is when our spirit goes directly to the Holy Spirit. And that 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 room in your apartment that you go in with God communes in. Remember, we're three-part being, and then our spirit man will comprise of conscience, intuition, and, and um, communion. So communion is the inner chamber, the holy of holies, that our spirit goes and connects with God. And when it comes out, the process of coming from your spirit to your mind, which is in your solical area, it flows through your conscience and your intuition. So now what he's saying, because we are inactive and we've become passive, we're now cutting out the processes that God had put in place to, again, which allow discernment to work, which allow his word to work, because before he said that our soul and our spirit are combined, well, the only thing that separates the soul and the spirit is the word of God. So God has set processes in place, just what we're talking about, so that we won't be easily led astray, but because, again, like like Andre said last night, because of what we think and how we think, or because of what we see or we see an easier way, or because we just, just don't want to do nothing, or just, let's label, just because of the flesh nature, we want to make it better, make it easier, like technology and the smartphones, and we can't even remember our own phone numbers. So we don't want to go through the processes that God has put in place in order to keep us safe, to preserve us, and to grow us up. So that process from communion, conscience, to intuitive, to flow into your mind, so now you got revelation in your natural mind, we want to cut that short, just want to be led by the light. We want to be led by the voice of God. He concludes that he no longer will lead him by his conscience or decisions emanating from his intuition. Instead, he will be led in the highest way. The Holy Spirit, he now assumes, will speak either directly to him or indirectly through some Bible verses. By ceasing to employ his conscience and by letting it drop in, in action, the saint is deceived into minding Satan in his daily walk. The Holy Spirit, however, true to his own working principle, will always refrain from taking over man's conscience and using it for him. Satan alone will seize the occasion to replace the guidance of the believer's conscience and intuition with supernatural voices and other devices. And when I was reading that, I couldn't think about help but thinking about some people who have gotten in error, and this is the way. It's, it's this way here because of what I saw, what I've heard, and what I've learned, what I've experienced, and, and then now I want to just put you all together. But see, you don't understand me. You don't understand all that I've been through and perceived because, see, God has an, and 
and we see a lot of them. Error. Error. It's just that. Now, are we to confront that? I'm going to say no in disrespect. You are to observe it. You are to pray about it. You are to intercede, and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. But it's all around us. Because many times in confronting error, all it does is harden their heart even more. See, somewhere along the way, their hearts have gotten hardened. Somewhere along the way, they've missed it. So by just trying to bash it in their face, it's not going to work. And you should, first of all, be thankful that God has grown you so that you weren't caught up or you came out of it. And even where we're at, we still, we look at, as we say, as the word says, we still hear part, seeing part, saying part. We None of us are perfect. We won't, until we get rid of this meat, we're going to always miss it in some form or fashion. By ceasing to employ his conscience, by letting it drop into an action, the saint is deceived into mighty Satan in his daily walk. The Holy Spirit, however, to his own working principle, will always refrain from taking over man's conscience and using it for him. Satan alone will seize the occasion to replace the guidance of the believer's conscience and intuition with supernatural voices and other devices. As conscience grows more passive and the evil spirit supplies his guidance, some Christians begin to lower their moral standard, thinking they henceforth live according to a higher life principle and therefore treat immoral matters as not quite so immoral anymore. Mm. Mm. And now that's even like Mark was talking about all these different groups and how they walk. You know, and, and, and how they have, you know, they 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 all these different things. You know, because they're above the above the law, they're above society. So we we just gotta just be aware of this. Let God grow us up in this. As conscience grows more passive and evil spirit supplies his God, and some Christians begin to lower their moral standard, thinking they henceforth live according to a higher life principle, and therefore treat immoral matters as not quite so immoral anymore. They also cease to make any progress in life or work. Instead of exercising their intuitive power to detect the thought of the Holy Spirit or engaging their conscience to discern right and wrong, they simply follow the supernatural voice which comes from the outside and reduce themselves to robot. Instead of taking those gifts, those things that God has put in place and using them, you just, again, looking for the easy way out. Whatever, 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 whatever reason that you're doing it, but that's what you're doing. And again, Satan is a mass. He's the father of lies. He's the father of lies. He is the prince of the power. He does have power, people. So he, his ultimate job is to steal, kill, or destroy. So he'll be, he will bless you to a point where he's ready to take your life. Did you understand what I just said? Satan will bless you. To a point where he said, okay, now I'm taking your life. 
In other words, what he's really doing is setting you up. And trust and believe when he takes you out of here because, oh, when when you come to that, it's just like, you know, somebody on drugs for that first high, and they're constantly chasing that next high, and it's never the same as the first one. But they're constantly chasing it. Then they waste 30 years of their life, and they look up, what the hell happened? Hopefully they wake up by the end. Some of them don't. Or they finally, even as Wayne told me, say, the, the stuff that kills them is the stuff that they chase after. Really? They see somebody OD, and they want to run out here and get a hit. See, it doesn't even make any sense, but this is, the, this is how Satan sets us up. I'm I'm just giving that as an example and letting you and as he's explaining it to from a spiritual perspective. Because again, we're not using that which God has given us, which gets right back into what I talked about earlier, that what's inside of us God is expecting a return. He expects you to use your gifting. He expects you to use your those things that are inside of you. Your intuition, your knowledge, your discernment. He expect what is what is the whole thing I talked about where, you know, the things that we learn on this line, but it still needs to be we need to be emanate from the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God needs to have preeminence over it. That's how God expects us to act, to be examples in this world, especially in these last days. These Christians mistake the supernatural voice for the voice of God. They disregard their reasoning, their conscience, and other people's advice. They turn out to be the most stubborn individuals in the world. They refuse to listen to anyone. They picture themselves as obeying a higher law of life than the rest of their spiritual conferers. However that is, C-O-N-F-R-E-R-S. How they fit perfectly the description of the apostle, whose consciences are seared. 1 Timothy 4 and 2. Their consciences are void of conviction. Hence, to sum up, in our spiritual warfare, we must ever and anon preserve our inner man in an active state, wholly yielded to the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, he said we must preserve. In other words, we have a part to play. We can't just let God, I'm saved now, it's all up to God to do everything, really. No, no, it doesn't work that way. We have a part to play. If that was the case, all Jesus had to do was be born again and just walk up to the cross. I mean, to be born and walk up to the cross. Okay, I've done everything I need to know. No, no, no. He said he was in the world. He overcame the world. If he overcame the world, that means there were some challenges involved. Yet sin not. There was some challenge. You don't overcome anything if there's no challenge. But he was in the world. He overcame the world. That means he had challenges he had to overcome. And he did it, and he sinned not. So he had to walk. He had to struggle. He had to fight just as we do. Hence, to sum up, in our spiritual warfare, we must ever and anon preserve our inner man in an active state, wholly yielded to the Holy Spirit, yet not in passive submission. Otherwise, we shall be deceived by the enemy. Even should the adversary not assault us, we shall retreat into the shut-in position if our spirit is not operative and outstretched. One reason the adversary will not assault you because you ain't doing nothing anyway. Why be bothered with them? They ain't a threat. They ain't even a threat to themselves. Leave them alone. I got better stuff to do. 
Yeah. But when you begin to move and become dangerous, then he's coming after you. Just like I talked about the children of Israel. That they were on their destiny, going about, and the the, uh, the king saw them and who they were, and he attacked them. They weren't had nothing to do with him. That's how it is. Just because you're a representative, you're an ambassador, the enemy sees you, he's coming at you because he's the enemy. So the battle's there. You have to go looking for it. Even though the adversary not assault us, we shall retreat into the shut-in position if our spirit is not operative and outstretched. For the enemy would have the chance anywhere to seal off all outlets for our spirit to work, to serve, and to war. It would suffer as though suppressed. Our inner man must accordingly be active and outgoing. It must resist Satan constantly or else it will be attacked from all sides. You must exercise your faith, exercise your spirit, keep it active. That's the only thing about you that's eternal. Well, your soul is actually eternal, too, because that's who you are. That's your personality. But your body is going to deteriorate. Your spirit is the one thing that can continue to increase and will increase even on the other side. And that's me saying that. Another very important principle to learn in spiritual warfare is that we must attack Satan incessantly. This is to prevent ourselves from being attacked. Ooh. Well, you know what? If you start bringing a fight to him, then you don't have to worry about being attacked because now he's, 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 he's defending himself. He's defending his territory because, see, this is what happens. As you begin to continue to increase, you're going to eventually end up going to his territory. He's going to begin to fight for his territory. Well, what's the advantage of that? Why would I want to bring the fight to Satan? First of all, you're going to be in a fight anyway. Second of all, when you're bringing a fight to Satan, that means you ain't got to wonder when he's going to attack or how he's going to attack. It's going to happen anyway. Third of all, you also get an understanding of who's the victor. Because a lot, most of the time when you're defending yourself, you're actually in the position of where I'm trying to fight him off of me. And you're nine times out of ten, you're actually, and I'm, you know, you're scared. But when you're in the offensive, that means, look, dude, I'm, I got this. Your whole understanding. What do we say the position that you're coming from? You're coming from the position of being seated at the right throne. You're coming from an ascension position. That means you're not scared. You're coming from the position that you're an overcomer. You're not scared. See, the three, the three warriors of David, they snuck into the enemy's camp and got water because they weren't scared. This is to prevent ourselves from being attacked. When a believer has crossed into the domain of the spiritual, he daily ought to maintain a combat attitude in his spirit, praying therewith for the overthrow of all the works of Satan done through the evil powers. If not... He shall discover his spirit shall fall from heaven, grow very weak and feeble, gradually lose his senses, and finally become scarcely detectable. This is all because the believer's inner man has collapsed into such a passive condition 
that it has ceased to launch out an attack. Hence, ground is surrendered to the enemy from which to assail, surround, and shut in his spirit. But if the Christian daily lets out his spirit and continues to resist the foe, he will keep his spirit mobilized. And with each passing day, it shall wax stronger and stronger. You know, as I was reading that, I can't help but think of some people that we know that have died early, and we wonder why. I'm just saying. A Christian must be delivered from every misconception with respect to spiritual life. He often surmises before he enters the spiritual sphere that if only he could be as spiritual as his brother, how happy he would be. See, right there, that's crazy. Because, see, what you perceive as happiness, you don't understand. You don't, you see, we got to get out of that. That's coveting. That, that's trying to, the grass is always green until you get to the other side and you find out it's astroturf. You know, you're not bearing your brother's burdens. You're not bearing your brother's cross. So you don't know what your brother's going through or has been through. But that's how we lead. That's how we live because it seems so much better. He often surmised both he enters the spiritual sphere, the only he could be a spiritual brother, how happy he would be. He visualizes the spiritual odyssey as the most happy affair, and so he contemplates spending his days in perfect joy. Now, that sounds fleshly. But again, we have crossed the realm of fleshly, solical to spiritual. In the realm from solical to spiritual, that's when you begin to deny yourself. You begin to not live as what you, what did what Paul say? He, want, he was a bond slave to Christ. I freely gave myself over as a slave to Christ. You got to grow into that because you're not going to either just give it up and walk into it. Little does he know that the opposite is true. The spiritual path does not yield any enjoyment to the person himself. It is instead a life of daily fighting. To remove warfare from a spiritual life is to render it unspiritual. Mm. I'm going to make my life more spiritual by removing warfare. He's saying once you do that, your life becomes unspiritual. The warfare is a constant because the warfare ain't really about us. It's about God and Satan. About God's plan and Satan's plan. We're literally just vessels in the middle of it. So... It ain't really about us, so the warfare is evident. Nothing we can do about it. To remove warfare from a spiritual life is to render it unspiritual. Life in the spirit is a suffering way, filled with watching and laboring, burdened by weariness and trial, punctuated by heartbreak and conflict. It is a life utterly outpoured entirely for the kingdom of God and lived in a complete disregard for one's personal happiness. When a Christian is carnal, he lives toward himself and for his own spiritual enjoyment. Of literal value is he in God's hand. Only as he dies to sin and to his personal life should be able to be used by God. A spiritual life is one of spiritual usefulness because it is lived to mount assault upon assault against God's spiritual enemy. Mm, well, let me read that again. A spiritual life is one of spiritual usefulness because it is lived to mount assault upon assault against God's spiritual enemy. That's the battle. God and Satan. Again, we're the pawns. 
We ought to be zealous for God, relentlessly attacking the enemy, and never allowing this most useful spirit of ours to sink in passivity. That is our lesson for today. Questions, comments, criticism, conclusions. Oh, um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we can give up our worldly material things as we did our um, afterbirth when we were born? Well, that sounds like the things that monks and the people who go into the caves to do to get away from the material world so they can be more spiritual. I mean, because um, I was just thinking while you was reading, you know, as we come into this world, everything that we need that's developing us is in that womb. Our mentor is our mother for once we're born, but then, too, with that mentor, to rely on them to eat the right foods in order to, you know, develop that baby into a vile person, physical. But if the mother is eating a bunch of fast foods and stuff, the baby's going to be losing some nutrients to the point for where it may not develop as completely as it could if the mother had a better diet. Now, but once it's born, it's disconnected from the mother. The afterbirth is is disconnected from the mother, but everything in that afterbirth was everything that baby needed on the inside in order to get that nourishment from his mother in order to in order to develop. Now, since the birth has taken, and that will be a form of aftermath. Now we're to this world. It was like God has stated in his word, we have everything that we need. Now through our mentors and how they decide to guide us, but then too, he gives us free will. And for that, he looks for us to develop our spiritual. Because when it's time for us to go back, to him, we can't take all of this, all, all of these comforts back. We can't take these comforts back with us, but we can take back to us. But we can take back with us is the things that we learned to get us back to God. I miss criticism. All I can say is Amen. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Um, need to change phones.
then after I do that, I guess we can get in a prayer request. My shoes are upstairs. Anybody else got anything for our change songs?
Okay, I'm back for real quick. No problem. Nobody stepped up, I will. You said what, Nay? I said nobody stepped up, I will. Oh, that's no problem. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we got to let me lift up, Nay. Run to the good, the gas, you're going to go to the car, and you're going to go to Horrendo <laughs> We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Yerukote Skandaka. We praise your name. Boskaradakanda. We glorify you, Father. Rondirukose. Continue to move in her heart and life. Yerumboskaradakanda. Strengthen and gird her up. Rondirukosaraka. Reveal to her that which she needs. Go Rondira. Let your spirit rise up, Father. Roskaradakanda. Rakoboskaradaka. And preserve her life. Shirukosada. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, when you start praying for me, the baby's sitting on my lap, and you start um, praying for me to be lifted up, she starts pointing up towards the ceiling and say, see, look at this. Huh? All right, now. Baby, baby in tune. <laughs> baby in tune. Um, she found one of the little kids in the neighborhood came up to the back door, so she went to go speak to them. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but um, some of the things they're doing for when I'm on this line, it's just amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but at this stage, she's pure at heart because um, she's working off of what's driving her. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's, and, it, and, and, and she's not heavily tainted from what the world wants to teach her. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, she's she's not tainted as of yet because she hasn't really, you know, been, you know, out in the world with life experiences. I mean, she has heard, but it's nowhere near, you know what I'm saying, as when she gets right. older, so she's pure. Right. So like I said, for right now, she's still pure at heart. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Someone rolls them more. You talking about hospital workloads or uniforms or what? Yeah, I was like, 
Um, they used to have a place in Roseland that had uniforms. Um, I can ask Sherrod. I'm trying to think who else I can ask. Maybe Rose. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, those are two people I can think of off the top of my head to ask that I got their numbers. Happy, happy, George. Or what she need? Uh, basically, uh, what you call them things the hospital garments wear? What's called Walmart hats. Gloves. Oh, go to Walmart. Walmart. Go to Walmart. Okay, I didn't know that. Oh, cool. Yeah, they got a uniform department in there. Okay. My child says hello. Oh, hey, Martha. Are you talking about uh, for scrubs? Yeah, scrubs. Yeah, it's five um five ninety five for top and the bottom. Each of them are five ninety five at Walmart. March they're like five. In fact, she only got ten dollars. Anyway, speaking of Rosa, here we are. All right, who else on spread? Um, I'll go. Nobody's gonna go. <laughs> All righty, young man, you ready? Woko Ramboskia Rando Kosiki Deahan Rando Kosa Kampo. Randy Kuski, the tender of Umbrandis, As you continue to release and trust God, as you continue to increase and grow in God, His favor, His life will exponentially increase in you. Hmm. I mean, you, you've been talking about us the last couple of days, and even Erica's prayer for you as far as you trusting and walking in your gifting more. But the thing is, you still view yourself as a grasshopper. You still view yourself as finite in the things that uh, God would have you to be doing and using you. Continue to... Increase who you are. Pull not back your hand because of what the enemy shows you. Pull not back your hand. And the sense everybody strategically doing what they're doing, but you always from position of ascension, you don't have to show your hand because then you're going to be walking out in pride and by what you got. No, 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 that's pride and that's flesh. But you have the understanding that you have to understand because that's what you have to You can that mindset and that understanding, the blessings will continuously flow your way. God called you to be. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, who's next? Me. Boogie doggy smoking. Let me pray for her crew. Let's get the cheering. Yara ganda, the gonda, the ganda, the gonda, the ganda, ganda, the 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 Because we pray for them, the lives are being touched. Because we pray for them, they are covered and anointed. Because we pray for them, we are praying interference upon that which the devil is trying to do. So, Father God, we just continue to give you the praise and the glory, continue to work in all of their lives, Lord, so they can continually begin to come forth out of that which they are inside of, Lord. Grow you up in them, Lord, so they become the men and women of God you called them to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And let's get the adults. Rambuskere to go around the negotiation, negotiation, around the negotiation, around the Daka. Rushkere to go session, around the negotiation, negotiation, around the Daka. Rushkere to go session, negotiation, around the negotiation, around the Daka. Rushkere to go session, around the Koran, the negotiation, the Saraka, the Kadaka, 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 the Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Very interesting. Thank you, Father, for the preservation of your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, continue to move in their lives. And even Barbara's life, Lord, as she's fighting tooth and nail for that which she's not even sure it's about, Lord. She's thinking it's one thing and it's a whole other thing, Lord. But cover her, Lord, keep her moving her heart and her life, and keep her from herself. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And let me get you into these businesses. Father, we praise you. wow. Regarding everything in those arenas, you are in perfect timing. It might not seem such, and you might feel pushed, and you might feel uneasy, but divinely you're in perfect timing for what needs to be done in your life, in the covenant, and everything around. So walk out, be patient, be steadfast, pull not back your hands, but let God continue to move and use you in the capacity that he has you placed there. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Interesting.
And let me go ahead and hit Tony. Rambo go Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Your Father. Yeah, well, we're going to pray for him, Lord. Because honestly, when I was praying for the parents, I mean, the adults and your mom, and I was thinking about what you said regarding how he hasn't contacted you. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, because what do we just talk about warfare and it ain't about us? Well, we're still standing and fighting. Things are going on. And the only thing he does know how to do is to do the things the way he has done. So, you know, the lack of contact is because of the warfare that's going on. And a lot of it he doesn't know, but he's experiencing Oh, wow. He's experiencing it. And what I mean he's experiencing He's going through things physically and naturally that he doesn't understand. Body. Mind just shit happens. He doesn't quite understand, but I mean, I'm dropping off the class. Oh, how can I turn around? Okay. That's how it is. Uh huh. Drop off and pick up. You can go for today, but from now, drop off and pick up over there. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. He just doesn't understand. He's experiencing things. He's going through things, and he's not quite understanding why. But the only thing he can do is what he knows to do. So, Father God, lead him in the pathway that he needs to go. Teach him. Bring him out, Lord. Bring him out in the capacity and in the fullness of who you're calling him to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Just continue to carry him, Father. Continue to move him in the capacity that you want him to go for him. Continue to grow him up, Lord. He will come out on the other side. And again, his situation and your father's is very similar. It's just that he's all more open and, and, and yearning to the spirit of God. He's not hard and rigid and confined as your father is. So the situations are similar, but because of your brother being more pliable and, 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 and uh, uh, agreeable, because remember we just talked about you got to cooperate the Holy Spirit, because he's walking in that capacity, he's not going to experience the difficulties that your father will. And let's get Kenny. Rando Kosishu Kosishu Korando 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 Korando
We praise you, Father. Continue to move him out of himself. Continue to grow him up in you. Pull him out of himself. And grow him up in you, Jesus. Your holy name is so. Amen. Okay, we got them. We got the business. We got the adults. We got the kids. So let's get. Let's get. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to get. Oh, I guess I'll get you. How about that? Ross Kerry Combos Kerry Kan Brandrukos PTT. Ross Kerry Kosan Brandrukos Atakata. Ross Kerry Kosi Brandrukos Shirakum Brandrukos Shirakarandaka. Like a little switch, a little switch to divert, a diverter switch. Mm. Like in the shower, bathtub falls, if you pull the switch up, the shower comes off. Then you pull the switch down, the shower goes off. Well, you like to have a diverter, and the purpose of that diverter is to divert you into whatever it is God needs you to go in. And see, now, that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to be the diverter. He's going to switch you into doing this. Then the next day, he's going to switch you into doing something different. Then sometimes he's going to have you doing both. But see, he's the one that has his hands on the diverter. You just trust and move in the capacity that God wants you to go. As long as you stay attuned, seeking and allowing God to be God, he's going to direct your steps. He's going to divert you where you need to go, and he's going to divert the amount of energy, the amount of strength, the amount of spiritual capacity that needs to be poured into whatever is going in front of you. So just trust and move and let God be God. And you're going to see so many situations in your life transform. Because even now, right now, you got so much in front of you, you don't know how you're going to get it all done in a short time span. Exactly the way that I just told you is going to happen. In Jesus' name, my friend. Amen. All right, who's next? Who's with transport? I'll go next because I have to go to the magic show. Oh, it's the birthday girl. She's going to the magic show. They're going to make her disappear. Hey, don't tempt me to ask. I might Mm -hmm. ask. Mm -hmm. I'll let Erica run this conference. Erica, she'll be speaking an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Erica did not come off mute because Erica like, girl, I ain't even hear what you said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she gets straight to the cussing right there. <laughs> right, I'm right, like, right. I'm but see, I, I ain't taking my text messages either. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. All right, Father God. Let me pray for the birthday girl. Ooh, 
So what I'm hearing is fearlessness, but being trained by God how to walk in that capacity. I'm hearing to let, so you talking about sometimes how you're going back into old you. That's fine. Just continue to submit that old you to being transformed through him. That's what's going to make the difference. Because, see, you're walking in enemy territory, and you must walk in the power of God. If you take the old you into the enemy territory, not transformed by God, you'll be quickly defeated. But stay humble and submissive and listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So when that old you comes into this area arena, being transformed by the power of God, being backed in God, says, now it's time to go forth. That old you is just the package. But it's going to come forth as the spirit of God. And that's what's going to annihilate the enemy and transform your path. So continue to seek his voice. Continue to let him increase in your life. Continue to rise up and become the full woman of God that he's called you to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And, Lord, I want to pray for her student. The one who will be hearing perfectly and will be moving on to the NASA, Yeraco Buster the Gandaka, Andrego de Randrego de Gosendroco, the Gandaka, Hadrego Sidrosa Randrega, Chakra. I want to pray for my neighbor down the street who will receive salvation, the opportunity before you believe. And I want to pray for her new legacy, the school that she's trying to forget, but God, you're going to make her remember. Because your hand is upon it, Lord. Mm. Your mark is upon that place of higher learning. The place of advancement. The place of transition. That the students need to walk into whom they've been called to be, Lord. The Holy Spirit, we continue to put new legacy before you render the gospel so it too can become the fullness of what you call it to be. In Jesus' name, I pray, Amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> oh, really? I heard you when you said that. I'm just letting really? you know that. Uh huh. You just, just going to do me like that? With okay, mm-hmm. you just going to mm-hmm. sucker punch me? Mm-hmm. I'm what? All I'm, right. just, I'm just, you know, uh, I'm oh. lying. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye, bye. Right. 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 Amen. Love you, Lord. I love the Lord. I love mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. I hear you, Lord. I hear you. <laughs> You may as well go and finish out. You love the Lord. He heard your cry. You may as well go and just finish it out. Finish it out. What you say? That cry is back to back. That's right. That's the good part. Mm. Mm. Well, Erica, you might be... Uh, 
Uh-uh. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh-uh. I'm good. All right, let me know all the tricks. You're going to be in that little hatch up underneath the floor. I, um, I was listening to the call, but only because I spoke up at this particular moment will I just say this one thing. I was listening to... um. T.D. Jakes this morning, and I don't remember exactly what the message was, but, I mean, the title of it, but he was, excuse me, bless you, but he was um, talking about Abraham and Sarah and how God had come to them. Um, He said, I think he talked about how it was like 15 years had gone by when uh, Abraham had not heard, you know, had no communication with God and how God allows um, us to just, you know, do what we want to do. Um, And these are not uh, Jake's exact, exact words, but he was pretty much saying that, you know, <clears throat> God had communicated with Abraham before, but you know it was like a fifteen year uh wait a minute, oh, this is trash, yeah, this is straight trash that there was a fifteen year window that he had not communicated with um Abraham, and through during that time how he Abraham and Sarah, I guess they resorted to their own tactics, and he referred to that as the human propensity to try to make um, God's promises come true at their own time. And so when God finally spoke to um, Abraham and told him that, you know, Sarah, that, you know, he was going to be the father of many nations, Abraham was just thinking about being the father, period you know, and how he just moved about doing things according to how he visualized or through his understanding, not, you know, believing that God uh, sees all. And when he said he was going to make him father of many nations, that he was looking outside of the scope of just giving birth to one child and just, you know, giving birth in the natural sense of which Abraham only thought about it because his mind couldn't conceive anything else. And he says that um, we have a tendency to allow the human propensity just to uh, put our back against the wall. And when we can't see any longer or any further through our own viewpoint or vantage point, that's when God steps in so that whatever your uh, limited vision was, your limited thought process was how he comes in and he shows you pretty much what he was talking about outside of your understanding and in his. And so I just, I was just listening and I was just thinking how we definitely put ourselves in bondage pretty much.
You know what? You are absolutely right. It is so amazing to me. I was thinking about that a few days ago about how we how we do put ourselves in bondage. It's it's like we we flog ourselves. You know, we we put we put ourselves there. We keep ourselves there, and we just languish in it. And we keep fighting the same monsters over and over and over and over again, the same ones. Because we could even actually make some headway and actually start to beat them. And then, you know, we will we'll, we'll put ourselves right back there and then do a Groundhog Day movie and kick it back up again. We do it to ourselves so often. Not for own blessings, but you know that has a lot to do with that conversation we had last night on the call. It's amazing how we um, get mad when God's promises does not come true based on our perspective, based on our insight, based on our will. That's that that sight versus vision. Well, and, you know, we're trying to make God's word come true as opposed to or instead of allowing God to, you know, fulfill what he said he would fulfill. He didn't say he needed you to fulfill it. Uh Uh-oh. He said he promised that this thing or these things will come to pass in your life. And we hear his promise and we try to take control and manage it ourselves. We want to manage his promise, and we never try to manage what he tells us to do according to his promise. We want to manage the whole promise, the who, what, when, why, not the intricacies or the specifications of what we should do and move how we should move. Okay. No. You know 
Erica, can they drive in Atlanta? Nope. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. I was about to say, I'm going to have to deal with you. Well, of course, Erica, can't nobody drive but her, so that's a you know. And she's a cut question. Really? Going back on mute. The speed limit in Atlanta is based on the interstate you're driving on. It's self-imposed. So if you're traveling 75, 85, that's probably the speed limit that people take the uh, interstate number to be the speed limit that they should be driving. They just totally, you know, overlook the speed limit sign. They just look at the interstate or highway and they assume that to be the speed limit. I I think they, you know, transpose the sign. I'm like, I'm afraid I'm going to move to the day. I, I can't. I mean, but you know, California, they, All right, well, does anybody else need prayer? Anybody else need prayer going once? Pray for me. Okay. All right. And when you finish praying for Pam, would you pray for Christine King, please? Christine King? Yeah, I have to go on me for me, so I might have to yeah, after the pandemic. All right, let me pray for my group as I'm thinking about it, too. Okay, because she, she went and she had a mammogram and they saw a spot and they mm-hmm. want, she have to go back to get some digital something, but, yeah. Okay. Okay, well, let me let the train area first. Okay. Is it a dark? Iris, Rush, Kurokosish, 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 Kurok
And I'm trying to think of whoever else is on the list. Go around the
Oh, that's why everything's up underneath the porch. Okay. Are you ready, Brother Richardson? Yes, sir, Brother Farley. All right, you. Father God, let me lift up Brother Richardson. Strengthen him, Lord. Mm. You got scrapers? Okay, strengthen him, Lord. Strengthen him in his total being, Father. See, right now, Lord, he's experiencing things in his body. But also, Lord, he's experiencing things in his soul. Holy Spirit, strengthen him. Pour from your spirit into his spirit so he can feed his body and his soul. Mm-hmm. Pour from your spirit that which he needs, Lord. Mm-hmm. So he will be strengthened and girded up by the power of your might, Lord, not walking according to his power, not walking according to his might, but according to you, Father. You are his God. Lord, open up the gates of heaven and just pour down deep inside of him, Father, so he can begin to rise up to be that good and faithful steward that you desire him to be. It ain't nowhere near over. You got a lot of work for this man of God to do, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 